Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hall of Games, episode number 46. I'm your host, Josh Gallegos, joined, as always, by the lore enthusiast, Jared Benson, slash mercenary, slash casual. You know, casual is just like the classic. I feel like I'm probably just going to go back to that. But just know, Jared, just like his... uh, his ancestors in the great nations of Europe uh, had many titles that went along with their introductions. So too, Jared has many titles to his great name. Long may he reign. Jared, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I like the casual. Uh, uh, long may long may I be casual. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's great. Yeah. And you know, I, I we're at what is this year three now of this podcast. Yeah. Um. So, you know, casual is kind of it's faded into the past at this point. Uh. And that might just be something you have to live with. Uh, you I'm holding are... on. I'm holding on to my love of casual, like we hold on to our childhood memories, yearning to go back. I think. There you go. <laughs> same same death grip. Yeah. So you can yeah, you can you can what is it? Take the casual take the man out of the casual, but you can't take the casual out of the man. That's right. So, That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Just like you're always gonna be a, a Connecticuter at heart. Is that what you guys and call I'll- each other? And I'll never be able to beat you at Mario Kart. So, like, that's what I think of when I think of myself as the casual. Well, if you catch me on a day where I'm tired and I haven't played in a while and you've been practicing, you probably could. Okay. But what do you guys, what do you, what do you guys call each other in Connecticut? Connecticanders or something? Oh, uh, probably Connecticutes because it kind of flows a little bit smoother. But um, mostly, we just call ourselves miserable. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's New England for you. <laughs> We're wannabe um, New Yorkers. That's like a lot of <laughs> New England. Sure. <laughs> yeah, the the forgotten state. It's kind of right there in between a bunch of other states that have slightly more memorable things going on. So Yes. Yeah, it's a pass-through yeah. state. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but it's home. It's home as well, at least for you. Um, anyway, this is the Hall of Games, the ever-growing catalog of legendary game titles that have proven to be timeless classics. Each title is chosen from the Bard's backlog and broken down through comprehensive evaluation. We are the keepers of the hall, the skeptic critics of each candidate, and the executioners of those not deemed worthy. Today's episode, we finally are going to cover Deathloop. Will this highly controversial game make it into the Great Hall? You know, when this game came out, there were a lot of 10s that were given to it, and there were a lot of things on the other end of that spectrum, 6s, 5s, and 4s. So, where do Jared and I land? We will talk through all of that with our pick. Um, If you're sensitive to spoilers in this podcast, beware. There's your warning. Write in our emails, askvgb at gmail.com to comment, ask a question, or generally challenge and scorn us if that be your jib uh, feel free and then of course you can support the podcast by following us on any podcast service and by dropping a review on apple Podcasts or spotify turn on notifications to get the latest episode as soon as it drops your phone will scream at you that it is there and you can quickly drop everything that you're doing and go and listen so do that and you'll be good to go last episode we talked about our game of the year picks for 2022 uh that's been a really fun thing every year to just do and look back on our year i know everybody does them so in that way it's not unique i think our format for the podcast itself is really fun and does stand out as unique 
Those episodes, though, really think of those as a moment for Jared and I to decompress, to glance back and see where we came from, what we had done, and um, how we grew, really, even as gamers throughout that last year. And I think you, Jared, did quite a lot of growing um, last year. So that's awesome. I was thinking about it. You played Dark Souls, and you jumped right into Elden Ring. Well, no, 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 no. You played something else. What else did you play? It was like... Sekiro's in there, right? So it was Dark Souls, you played Sekiro, and then you played Elden Ring. And then you went back, and it's just funny to go and listen to these episodes, because Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne, I feel like you were kind of, like, iffy on. And I wonder if Elden Ring is part of the reason. <laughs> mm. um, I guess we'll never know. I right? don't. That's just how things worked out. If I had to speculate on it, I think the pacing the pacing is probably where that comes from um pacing and preference i'll i'll put it there pacing and preference because the pace of sekiro and elden ring is faster than all of the dark souls games and then sure coming from elden ring which was uh you know just your standard you know quick i don't know how else to phrase it i think pacing and preference so for elden ring and sekiro that's why but for preference the Bloodborne aesthetic just didn't appeal to me. And I think mm. if you don't resonate with the art of that game, it's just another Souls games, uh, another, just another Souls game with just as many flaws as the others. Um, Is so that a I, like I, Lovecraft thing for you? Like, do you just not care for Lovecraft? Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. Uh, or perhaps mm. that Elden Ring just came to me so naturally because of that hybrid um, souls element mixed with an rpg right um yeah yeah um i know you can classify souls as you know action adventure rpgs or whatever you want to call it but but they're also they just have a different vibe and feel to them and i think elden ring in terms of vibe and feel is a perfect go-between between the dark soul series the soul series where it comes from and a standard rpg um, it bridges that gap. So I guess going backwards, I was less than impressed with Dark Souls 3, um, yeah. which we talked about. And also I didn't really fall in love with the art of Bloodborne. So I think that to sum up, obviously there's more to it. To sum up, that's why. Yeah, no, that makes sense. When, Jared, will we play Dark Souls 2? I've been chomping at the bit. Uh, hey, listen, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here comes the bull crap. That's right. That's right. I'll spare you. I'll spare you the time. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. All right. Yeah. No worries. No rush. I I was playing through it. I love Dark Souls 2. That one's the one I think I could play more often than the others. And I had to stop myself because I was like, you know what? I can't get too far ahead here. Jared is counting on me to play with him. So anyway. Josh is going to carry me through Dark Souls 2. (laughs) (laughs) If I have to. Honestly, I love it. I mean... I think you're more than capable of doing it. You've beaten all these other ones, so I don't think that's going to be an issue. But um, I had a friend who started Dark Souls 3 on my, like, encouragement, and I was like, let's play through it together. And I, like, kept pushing, and, like, he was like, yeah, yeah, I've never played through one of these. And I got him, really, it was it was me carrying him. I got him through the first area, and it's the, it's like the, oh, man, what's the name of the area? Um Anyway, it's the one with, like, the big tree boss at the end, and he, like, falls through the floor. Um but he got once you leave that area you have to go up against this like ice knight he's like a kind of like he he's like on the ground and he has a big old sword and um he'll slash at you or whatever um and that area you couldn't play co-op in it was like a transition area between two main ones so mm-hmm. 
I couldn't go into it. There's a fog gate at the entrance, and then there was one at the exit as well. So I had to wait for him to beat it. He threw himself against that guy like 10 times and couldn't do it, and then he just dropped the game. Oh, <laughs> I was like, man. no. I was so sad because <laughs> we got so close. And I love, honestly, I love playing these games co-op. I There's just something personally for me that just like totally connects. Anyway, <laughs> not a from software podcast despite how it may seem all right uh, i have been playing eldering though yeah so, anyway let's jump into our episode here before we get into our main segments though jared question for you maybe one that has a different flavor to it than what we're talking about thus far. What do you want done with your body after you die? Um, I would like Have you ever to... thought about that? I guess I, is the question. I mean, we're I pretty have. young, so. I've actually okay, had okay. an argument with friends and family about it. So. Really? Yeah, okay, let's yeah, hear it. Yeah. So I don't think um, once I am dead, dead, you can have my organs. I'll be dead. I won't care. Um, and that's fine with me, but I'd rather be uh, cremated um, than buried. But both uh, my fiance and my mother are, have a huge problem with that. They'd rather have a formal ceremony if it's you know if they're still around. You know, God forbid, obviously. But yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what my personal wishes are. But I don't have a will actually. So if if someone comes and yeah. Uh, takes me out. There's, you know, you can have my PlayStation Five because I don't have a will. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's my personal thoughts on it. I, I just don't. It's not that I don't have any respect for the process. If someone else has those wishes, I will respect what they want done. But for me personally, I just, I'd rather keep it simple and inexpensive. Would you want your ashes strewn about somewhere? I don't care what you do with them. You can strewn them, strewn them, or strewn them in the backyard. You can put me on your mantle. You can mix me in with the uh, uh, pancakes. I don't care. Um, do do whatever you want to do. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's something about that's just morbid to me. I don't know. All right, interesting. You can edit that out. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. I mean, leave it. I me. mean, I'll take some Jared pancakes. That's right. That's right. What uh, so have you ever seen Doctor Who? No. Okay. Uh, there's one episode in Doctor Who that has like totally scared me off of cremation. Um, okay. And it's, it's this whole episode where like this guy, one of the guys dies and he wakes up in like a, an afterlife and he's wondering like, what in the world? Like, oh, this must be the afterlife. And it's not really heaven. And like, he's going through like this process of like getting introduced to like how things work. And they go, uh, they're like talking to him and telling him, and they like open up a window, and he's like looking out and seeing all these other buildings with all the other souls that have died. And it turns out it's actually uh, artificial conscience, consciousness of his that got uploaded. Um, but anyway, they like ask him, one of the first things they ask him is, are you planning on being cremated or not? And he's like, I don't think so. Like, why not? And they're like, well, hopefully you're not. Because once you're in the afterlife, whatever happens to your body up there will continue for you for the rest of your for the rest of eternity. And so he he meets one person who got cremated, and they're just like they're like 
they're in hell basically they're burning forever Ooh. um so yeah and and like he was like the entire time like oh please nobody cream at me <laughs> like I, I hope i am just buried as normal so anyway that just freaked me out a little bit there's a lot of doctor who episodes that freaked me out a little bit from things like that so uh i don't know what i would want done with my body i think i think just a normal regular situation would be fine um i know my brother has always talked about like having a tree planted on him so that it feeds from your nutrients and then grows um and so then you become a tree i guess um i don't know how i feel about that there's all the like theological question as well right of like oh what about when christ comes back and the dead are risen again and isn't your body supposed to be around for that but it's like our bodies even around from thousands of years ago like you know so it's who knows who knows what the answer is there um i'm personally other than the scary Doctor Who episode, not too opposed to cremation, but I think I'd still want an open casket funeral first, and then you can go and crisp me up. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> The best of both worlds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a little bit of everything in there. Yeah, why not? I'm dead, so try it all. Uh, but just a thought there. Actually, I don't even remember why I wrote that question down. It had to have been like something I was watching and I was like, oh man, I'm curious what Jared would say. Uh, but let's jump into our first segment here and that is the games we play in. City lights So far away On a trip or a long holiday take a drive downtown i'll start off here Elden ring has been my darling for the last several days uh, over the weekend i had martin luther king day off and i also had my birthday on the same day so i kind of kicked back and just played some games and Elden ring kept calling me back in so i started a new game um started from scratch I decided I'm going to go. I have a lot of understanding and knowledge about the game now, obviously, at this point. So I decided I'm not going to look anything up. I'm not going to try to find items. Um, I'm not going to, like, say, oh, what happened with this character? Like, what quests? Like, how do I finish out that quest or whatever? I was just going to go off of what I remember and explore like I would have when I first played. So that's been fun, going around, marking up my map again. I've only gotten to Lyurnia, so I haven't gotten too far but it's been it's been neat i mean it's just a it's a game honestly i could just play forever so i have been having a grand old time going back to it and playing it some more um still have a tough time with the bosses you Mm -hmm. know still dealing Mm -hmm. with uh a lot of those things that i think are just gonna be forever a part of the experience there um it's gotten to the point now like i when i first played through the game i was determined to try to beat these bosses you know, mano a mano. And now I don't even attempt. Like, I'm like, no way. Like, I'll see if I can get a couple people to join me and I'll let them go beat the boss. <laughs> or, you know, I'll I'll use my summons, which I end up using pretty much all the time anyway, but um, I'll really heavily rely on them. And yeah, it's just been great going back, playing through it, uh, facing some of those original difficulties. Because the last few times I've played through it again, I either played on New Game Plus or I was just finishing th- things up at the end of the game. Sure. So I was overpowered at that point. Yeah. So it's been fun to go back, kind of be in that original state, and also try to face off against some of these major bosses in weakened states. You know, like I'm not going and farming and stuff. I'm just kind of like letting it happen. Yeah. Um, 
and it's been a ton of fun. Um, really falling back in love with a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the characters, um, a lot of the design. It's just a, man, it is a awesome game. Like, we're talking about the design for Bloodborne. Like, Eldering has all kinds of personality and a lot of very original personality as well. And the, you know, just the lighter feel to it. You know, the, the, the tree out in the distance at all times, this bright gold and yellow just lends yeah. itself, even though the whole world is kind of a haunted place where a lot of people are just gone and dead. Um, it still just has like this allure, like this, I don't know, like sirens call that pulls you in with its beauty before, you know, hitting you upside the head with a club. But I am just having a great old time again. I don't know if I'll end up finishing it, but I, this weekend I just got re obsessed with it. That and the other game I'm replaying. And really right now, I think the story of the last week or so, Jared has been, I'm searching. Like sure. I, I'm searching for that next big one. So sure. part of that is going back to the things I know work and that are going to comfort me and enjoying those in the meantime. So I'm actually still getting in some good sessions, but right. The other one I've gone back and revisited this weekend as well was Metroid Dread. I looked at my time clock on Dread the first time I played through it in 2021, and I was like, you know what? It was only like seven hours, and that was with me not knowing what I was doing. So I'm like, I could beat this, and my plan was kind of to beat it over the weekend. I think Elden Ring ended up sucking up too much time, but I was like, I could run through this again. I put it on hard, um, and I'm in the third area again already, and I am just like, wow, this game is good. Like, Go back. We we covered it already. Listen to that episode. Hear our points. It's a good game. Yeah. It's a great game, as a matter of fact. And I am just... Uh, it's The pace of it is great. Uh, the graphics of it are fantastic. Mm. Samus is such a beast. Mm-hmm. Like, she is just casually taking people out. Like, I love this moment at the very start. She just, like, faces off against the mysterious character. Um, and she just starts, like, generating up her charge um attack and she's just staring at it and she just aims and shoots and like it's just so casual and like yeah she's just awesome you know and there's like so many little moments like that throughout the game as well um and the emmys are again causing me to stress out and trying to remember how to navigate through these little areas and whatnot so that's been a ton of fun revisiting as well but i think between that and Elden ring you can just tell right now i'm i'm trying to see what's up next and what's on the docket um, I touched the game today, Deathloop, as well, just a little bit. I honestly could have spent more time preparing for this episode by going back and actually playing the game, but I did play that pretty thoroughly at the start of last year, so I'm hoping I can use that experience. Uh, but those have been the two main ones. Jared, tell me what games you're playing right now, and then I'll finish out with my last two honorable mentions, really. Well, I've had a surprising obsession. So, um, like I mentioned in the Goaties, um, one of the games that came recommended to me by my friend Alexis was uh, Pokemon uh, uh, Pokemon Arceus. And um, it has been my latest obsession. I've put about 30 hours into it, which is more than I should have. I've got other games on the docket, and we might not cover this one. Although, if we, if we do, there'd be good reason for it. I mean, Pokemon games are uh, an entire, you know... I won't say cornerstone, but they're an entire community, that's for sure, um, in, for sure. in gaming. It's a big old dollop of it. So we should wander into it eventually on this podcast, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, it's been my recent obsession. I have a ton of notes. I kind of, um, you know, is thinking back and forth on the good elements of this game, the bad elements of it. Some of it comes down to, you know, UI stuff, like bad menuing or or good menuing in, in some cases. And, like, just the 
what's interesting about this game is that it's one of the most balanced games I've ever played. Um, mm. I've, I've never even been tempted to to adjust a difficulty setting. If I came up against some kind of resistance, it was very fair. Uh, and well, one of those it's it's the game is designed for children. That's the demographic is like young adults kind of. Um, I don't know if you'd agree with that, but that's how it feels at least to play the game. Um, and yeah, balance is fantastic. Even even the later fights feel epic, um, not cruel. And so that's it's a it's a tough a line to walk. Sometimes um, there are some enemies that you face in certain video games that feel cruel at times, and I've never felt that. So this game is very balanced, very enjoyable, and there's a huge replayability because there's so many collectible yeah. creatures, um, which is oh, something yeah. that, in my opinion, is top. It's got to be top one or top two in terms of replayability for games. Not joking to you. I wouldn't put it at top one because I think the games with the most replayability are just whatever the current big battle royale is. Um, Overwatch, yeah, Valorant, the live service games, Apex, live service. That's right. With huge communities of online players, like that's wh- whatever, whatever, whatever that game is. That's number one replayability in my mind. But this is up there. This is two or three on that list because of there's so many Pokemon to catch. Um, and got to catch them all. You got to collect them. So it triggers all of the right dopaminergic uh, processes in the brain. And it's been very, very enjoyable. I was surprised at how much it addicted me and how much I thought about it and how yeah. much I wanted to go home and play it. So it's been really good. Good. That's awesome. Man, Pokemon, you know, it's been hard for me to get into it. I've tried several times. Um, the one game I got super into was on the 3DS, and I played the whole thing. It was my very first Pokemon game, so I was, like, really getting into it. And really, the cadence of them, there's a reason that people buy them every single year. And I think a big reason is, like you said, the replayability, just the fact that, like, going and trying to catch as many and filling out your Pokédex is just, it's a timeless, fun yep. thing. And all the little Pokemon are really well designed. I guess there's some that are, at this point, they have, like, what, a thousand plus Pokemon. So some of them are definitely going to be miss, kind of weird. But most of them are very charming. They have their own little stories to them. Um, they have their own little quirks, of course, their abilities. How are you doing with the uh, elements, like the different um, elemental gameplay, grass versus fire versus water? um and so on and so forth are you able to I'm, I'm assuming you're looking some of that stuff up and honestly i don't know how much pokemon legends arceus because of the way that it's structured uh really harps on that stuff from the little bit i've played i do know that they have it all in there but has that been something easily navigable for you yeah easily navigable i haven't actually looked anything up except for some of the more obscure pokemon that even though i've beaten the game um uh, I've beaten it and then beaten um, uh, the banished Pokemon. So there's Arceus, okay. the creator wow. Pokemon, and then the banished. She already Pokemon. beat it. I didn't realize that. Yes, yeah, I've beaten it, um, and now it is just collecting all the Pokemon so you can uh, call upon Arceus. So there's a huge, you know, eighty percent. I wouldn't say eighty percent. I guess it depends on how much time you take uh, to explore while you're going through the main storyline. But for me, there's probably about 60 to 80% of the game left to explore uh, and catch and evolve yeah. and, and do all this different stuff. Um, um, and so, yeah, I've beaten it a good bit. And I've found that I never needed to look anything up. Um, I would just, there's very clear cues. You have a team of six, more than likely one or two of those Pokemon on that team is going to have a super effective something or other right. that counterbalances mm. it's very much like just very simple um 
tic-tac-toe or, or a rock, paper, scissors, rather, is the, the analogy there. Um, so one or two of your Pokemon is going to have a super effective, just effective, or not effective at all. And then you just learn kind of in mid-battle you can adjust. And it's not that difficult. So um, it's been yeah, yeah. it's been very straightforward. Uh, I was telling yeah. Alexis, I thought that one of the things that if you, depending on how much you wanted to do, you could have in-game classes. I know that sounds boring, but just in the sense that like you could go to a trainer and mm. and uh, learn the different. I mean, it's in there abilities you know, and how. Yeah, to yeah, but it's not face super, them off against each other. Yeah. yeah, it's not super clear to me at least. And so most of it's the time, not. Yeah, it's a little vague. But most of the time, when I was beating a Pokemon, it was it was pretty. It was just really overwhelmed them was typically how I would For win. Sure. So, yeah. So that's where it's at. But I, re- I was surprised yeah. at how much I liked it. Still do. Good. Yeah. No. And it's one of those Pokemon games recently that people like looked back and were like, man, it's special. Uh, partially because of like the open field where you're kind of walking around. Like the fact that you kind of sneak around and throw Pokeballs at Pokemon is like brand new to this game. So that whole feel to it really is just a way you're interacting with the Pokemon series that you haven't before. So that part's awesome. But in general, I mean, there is, they call it baby game RPG or JRPG Pokemon because it is kind of like entry level JRPG, but it is still a very well done game. And it has been since the original um but like going and seeing uh how all the different abilities work and really you don't even have to look them up obviously you can i think they even give you kind of like a sheet of like this works well against this type and this type works well against this type and if you have these two types together you know it might do this or whatever um you can look that all up and you'll get much better at the game for sure but uh you can also just learn that through experimenting like trying different moves and it'll say super effective or not very effective and you just start to piece things together and a lot of it makes logical sense so um that's awesome have you had any um i don't know grief i guess evolving pokemon at all has it been pretty straightforward yeah that's actually the comment i was gonna make uh and i'll end with this well two things two big notes here is that the the weakest element of the Pokemon games is in its at Arceus specifically. I haven't played any other Pokemon games, so keep that in mind. But the weakest point of this game is actually the open world elements. They do have traversal elements yeah. that are pretty good, but they could be fine tuned. They could be smoother for sure. Um, and and the draw distance sucks. It's complete. It's terrible. But I'm also <laughs> used to playing these behemoth games on PlayStation Five, so I'm being a little for picky. sure. But the other element was that the only thing I felt that I needed to look up to your point to answer your question was that I I had like Patchy Rasu or or is like this little blue and white squirrel, and I got that sucker all the way up to level forty six. It was just waiting for him to evolve, and then I learned that he's one of like three that just don't evolve. <laughs> so mm. so there's things like that that I at this point I would be looking up only because I don't want to waste my time because I have a yeah. lot of games to get to this year. But that's not really grief. It's just like, oh, well, silly me. But that's also to be expected from someone who's never played a Pokemon game before, like myself. So yeah. um, I think if there's some updates for Scarlet and Violet or whatever the latest game is, I'll probably go play that as well because I'm intrigued. I've enjoyed myself. Uh, and I would be looking at future Pokemon titles. It's just Pokemon has always been that room that you pass by that everyone inside seems to be having fun but right. I never actually entered before. So as my for first sure. in- introduction, Arceus was awesome so uh, i'd really recommend it if you like breath of the wild you'll probably like this 
Um, it's not a direct comparison, but they're like it's cartoony in the same way. Um, and if you like Xenoblade Chronicles, you'll probably also like this as well. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, Pokemon, I mean, it's been around for a while. There's a reason it sells so well. It's got yeah, that appeal sure. to it. Um, the first one I played was X and Y, and I tried to get into, I think Sun and Moon came after that, and I bounced off of that. I tried to get into Sword and Shield. I bounced off of that. Um, so I've tried again. I don't know what it is. It's just because it's the same thing kind of over and over. I think because I've seen it once, I liked it enough. Um, and it is usually a, a big commitment, although you're saying 30 hours, which I think is shorter than normal for a Pokemon game. So now I'm like, okay, maybe that's totally worth it. I, I there's a scale to it too. You think uh, what so? What were you going to say? I was just going to say, yeah, if you wanted to cover it on this, this, this podcast, I have a feeling, well, for me, I was addicted to it. So it was a little easy to kind of power through before I had known it, before I knew it 20 hours had passed. I was like, wow. Okay. But, um, yeah. But I really think it wasn't that difficult. If you just push through to the main storyline, um, yeah, the game checkpoints you and forces you to level up before you can advance the storyline. And it ke- in that way, it keeps things very balanced. And then, uh, not that you'll need it. I'm a casual, but like if you needed help, I could just tell you which creatures are nice to have in your lineup of six. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, like I was saying, your six outnumber whatever Pokemon you're facing and make things pretty easy. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I mean. I. I could definitely use some pointers. It's like the way the original games are structured and most of them are structured. Uh, Arceus is definitely an exception to this. Most of them, including the one from this year, Scarlet and Violet is this way, but you go through a main part of, you're in like one part of their world or whatever. You go through one kind of biome, you know, the woods or whatever. And once you get to the end of that and you collect all the Pokemon as you go, then you have a town with a gym. And then you go up against the gym teacher, um, you face off if you can beat the gym teacher, then you can move to the next gym, um, but you have to go through another biome. So you go through a desert, and you get all the desert Pokemon, and there's caves, and you go in there, and you find some Pokemon there, and as you go, you're leveling up, and then by the time you get to the next gym, you're pretty much set to attack that now gym teacher. I'm saying teacher. I think it's a different word. Um, And some Pokemon aficionado is screaming at me. The trainer, probably. um, Something like that, yeah. Um, but it kind of it lends itself to just kind of letting you naturally progress, and you do get to a point where you're really just relying on particular Pokemon, and that's that's good enough for you. Maybe you throw a few more in there just to see them level up, or you're trying to get them to evolve or whatever. Um, but there is some scale to the combat here. I played X and Y on my 3DS with a friend. Now, I did not, back in high school, didn't have a ton of friends who played video games. And in fact, he was more, I guess acquaintance would be a better word for him. His name was Eric. He was on my soccer team. Uh, Super tall, super ripped guy. He was our def- like our main defender, and he was fast like lightning and a monster. Like he would just wreck people. But he loved Pokemon, <laughs> so I told him at one point, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I have a 3DS." Because I saw he had his, and he was like, "Oh, do you play Pokemon?" And I was like, "Yeah." So one day he was like, "Let's play together," and we we synced up and we started to play competitive rounds and he was slaughtering me like i couldn't make a single move before he just he read everything i was about to do and destroyed me and i was like what in the world so i started to look into it and like look up little strategies and tips and it was it was pretty in depth and i went back i played him again on another bus trip and i did a little bit better and he was like kind of like oh yeah you're doing a little bit better um and he started to give me pointers as well but i realized upon playing him and talking with him that 
there is there's a scale to it like people get better and better and you can get more and more intense with it and you get really into the nuance of the types and um how you can exploit those and different moves that different types have that are you know only in this evolved version or you got to make sure that you have the female pokemon for this move and so on and so forth and there's a lot to it so it's got a lot there um and I love Pokemon, so I would be more than excited to cover Pokemon Legends. This actually might give me the impetus to go and finish it, because I have started it. Um, but maybe we'll do that this year as well, like all the other promises that we don't follow through with. But one of those <laughs> that we did is Deathloop. So let's continue here. In fact, let me cover quickly my other two games we play, and we'll jump into our default segment, which is also going to be kind of a switch of gears. I am also playing through one of them I probably could have beaten already, Super Kiwi 64. It's only like two hours long. I've only played like 20, 30 minutes of it. It's fun. It's based off of, uh, you know, a Nintendo 64 platformer. Think Mario. Um, So it looks like that. It's kind of chunky. They kept it to 64 bits. I think it was a kickstarted game. Super short. Just a few levels. You're a kiwi bird. And you kind of just fly around and you pick up little collectibles. It's very basic, but uh, has a really nice platformer feel to it. Um, not like Mario 64. <laughs> it feels better and modern. Um, and then the other game I've been playing is Alan Wake. Alan Wake, the remastered version on the PlayStation 4. I'm playing on my PS5, but I, I've never played Alan Wake. It was one of those storied games from the Xbox 360 that I always heard about exclusive to that platform so i was always curious about it alan wake 2 got announced and ever since then i've been kind of jonesing to go back and play alan wake the first one and it was on a sale for the holidays so i picked it up and have been enjoying it it's it's a very interesting premise you're an author who goes to kind of a getaway on a lakeside uh, island and while you're there you're with your wife um your wife gets kidnapped and you get these ransoms that are saying that they want the manuscript to your re- most recent novel and the author's like okay what manuscript and they they mention and he's like i've i didn't write that and they're like okay well um until you get us a manuscript we're not going to give your wife back or whatever and it turns out that you're actually living the novel that he hasn't written yet so you go through and you pick up little pages and starts to reveal either what's going to happen to you or what just happened to you. Um, And he's like putting together these pieces and he's wondering like, how did they find out about the manuscript? You know, why is this happening in front of me? Right? Like things are happening and have already been written down. There's like all these questions about that. And it's kind of like nightmarish because there's like this whole light and dark, um, you know, uh, just theme to it where there's like this darkness and he hasn't quite figured out what it is, but it's, it's trying to undermine him and he thinks it's trying to kill him at the start. I'm on episode four. So things have progressed from there. Um, and the only way to defeat the darkness is with light. So you have a flashlight and like these, these people, they're shadow people will like run at you. The main part of the combat is like them chasing after you and you have to, hit them with your flashlight, hold it on them until basically they, they get stunned, and then you can shoot them and kill them. Um, and they come at you, they kind of gank you, right? I'm using your term there. Uh, so groups and stuff, and <laughs> that's kind of how it keeps the the uh, gameplay going. But the story itself is very intriguing. The, the sound design is really great. It really puts you on edge. It's not a horror game, but it's sure. definitely a suspense game. So it, it builds all that into it. The story itself, I think, is I'm hoping it pays off. I've heard it's good, so I'm looking forward to that. The other thing that's cool about it is that it's in episode format. So, And I'm pretty sure the original game was released all at once. I might be wrong about that. I'm pretty sure it was. But it's in episodes like it's a TV show. 
So it starts out, you play through the first part, it ends on a cliffhanger, or with him discovering some clue. And then it picks up with the next episode, new title, I mean, you could think of it as just like chapters in a regular story, but it's kind of structured like a TV show with cliffhangers and so on and so forth, revelations in each episode, and him doing different tasks in each one, and so on and so forth. So it's been it's been a cool little experience. I'm looking forward to finishing it. It's not too long, so I should be done with that within a week or so, but that's the last game. I have been playing. Let's jump into our default segment. segment this week is going to be the top five most anticipated 2023 games for jared and me so uh, we're gonna pick five i have a buttload of honorable mentions it was really hard for me to choose here but i think i'm happy with the five that i've chosen let's do this jared uh i don't are yours in any particular order uh no okay let's go back and forth here so okay. you give one, and then I'll give one, and we'll work our way down through the list of five. So okay. go ahead and get us started with your first pick in no particular order for most anticipated games. There is no particular order here, but I will say that the first one that came to mind was Hogwarts Legacy. If you've heard anything about this game, it's going to be uh, kind of an open-world um, uh, Hogwarts Harry Potter game. I don't know if it'll be canon yet. I haven't heard that. But Lucy, even on the car ride over here, um, was asking about, what, hey, can we pre-order Hogwarts Legacy? And I was like, well, I have some things here. Can we Can we wait a little bit? Can we, you know, what, what are the options? Would you be willing to, you know? So we were talking about it, but even just as recently as today, she was she was asking about it. So that's something that we are both looking forward to. Um, I don't know if that's anything you're interested in, Josh, but but for us, that's going to be huge, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's on my honorable mentions. I'm, I'm really curious to see how it does. There's a lot yes. of people freaking out because of J.K. Rowling, and that's happened with like all of the Harry Potter stuff in the last 10 or so years, ever since she came out as like, anti-trans. <laughs> um so there's all that going on. I think the game itself looks really fun. It's actually a lot more RPG in depth than I was expecting. So right. I'm just curious to see how it plays out. That's what um, I keep seeing. Yeah. Yeah. And you can fly. That's cool. Yeah, they just yep. flying. You can do spells. That I mean it's cool. <laughs> it's Harry this Potter, has the so potential like, this a lot of- to be I mean, you got to think about the depth, the success of the books, the success of the success of the movies. You have to understand that this has the potential to be one of the greatest RPGs of all time. Uh, it really, really does a, a capstone to great books and then great movies and now a great game. Uh, so yeah. I, again, I don't know if it'll be canon. Um, it doesn't need to be, I'm sure. And you did bring up a good point. Like, I'm curious how to see it, how, uh, to see as well how it does in sales because the gaming community is a little left leaning. So we'll see. But yeah, I'm excited about it very much. So my guess is it's still going to do super well. Um, and I think it's going to be a really great game. That's my that's my uh, hunch over it, I guess. So we'll see if that plays out. My first one, again, in no particular order here that I will bring up is one right around the corner. 
Dead Space Remake, which comes out... What is the date for Dead Space? It's like literally next week or something like that. I am so looking forward to this, dude. Um, And I hope I can get you to play this game. Uh, I don't know. January 27th. So yeah, that's next week. I don't know if you like horror games. Have you ever played through a horror game? Um, Probably not a horror game proper. Um, I've played some fun VR horror games. That's true. Yes. Yeah. No, Dead Space is really the... I picture the series as taking what Resident Evil has started in the 90s and getting past kind of the hokey, goofy, Japanese-ish stuff of it and really delivering on... Yes, there's action. Yes, there's gameplay, and it's all very well done. But the aesthetic, the atmosphere, and true scare, like true horror. And a lot of it just works super well. And I am just, I'm so looking forward to it. The first one is one of those just like seminal moments for me in gaming. I I hope they do the second one too. I, I mean, they could do the third one. The third one's kind of the one that people don't care for, but. If they do the first and second one, man, I am going to be happy for the rest of my life because these games, quite frankly, deserve a remake. Sure. They are classics, and they show, honestly, I don't know if I've seen another horror game do it as well as Dead Space since Dead Space. They had Callisto Protocol come out last year. That was kind of supposed to be done in the same spirit as Dead Space, and apparently it fell flat. I haven't played it because of that probably pick that up at some point on a sale but this is the main one like dead space is the og so i am so looking forward to it getting back on the ishimura walking through that and using all of because there's like all these little conceits to this game in fact i loved the series so much there were several novels and graphic comics that were made about it i read all of those because i just couldn't get enough of like the lore i love the lore behind dead space it's so interesting it's like this church cult who falls in love with this alien artifact and the alien artifact takes people there's an alien associated with it that comes out of the artifact but the alien will come out it'll take people kill them and then recreate them into these monsters and the church believes that that's them you know ascending onto a higher level so you've got like this obviously grotesque awful alien monstrosities coming at you that used to be people um it's all in a dark spaceship so it's got like alien vibes there but then you have this whole like religious layer of the church as well and all these like devout people who uh you just have you know how how people can be where they just have the fervor of religion and uh they believe so much in what they're doing that they're putting everything else to the side so it has that going on the entire time as well and um the second one even gets into like crazy stuff regarding just like living like a a, a light uh i guess a a space faring life and what that would look like if it got completely upended and made into a horrified horrible place so there's a lot going on there you're just an engineer so you go to the ishimura because there's a a distress call saying that they need help with repairs and you show up your wife was there so that's why you're even on the mission at all you kind of bumped your way up and when you land you're not able to make contact with anybody and you kind of just waltz into a huge mess and it's great I, i love it so much so i'm very much looking forward to that i will be playing that quite a bit and scaring my wife as i do (laughs) And off to you again. What would be your second pick, Jared? So um, 
for me, the, the personal largest, the one I'm most excited for is Hades 2. This was announced at go. the Game Awards. Uh, I'm super, super psyched for this game. I loved the first one so much. It's in my top five of all games. Um, so it would be lovely to have a repeat in 2023 with Hades 2. I'm not sure when they said it was going to be released. Did it, I don't I don't remember if they said it was late 2023, mid early i don't remember uh, but hopefully it gets released this year and we can enjoy that so that's that's for sure of my list here the one i'm most excited about how do you feel about the like revisiting of the same setup like it's it's hades again like would you have preferred they did something different because this is no. the first sequel no because i think what i what i enjoyed the most about it was obviously the smooth the smoothness of the combat but also the characters. I loved the characters. Yeah. I loved the storytelling. I loved the tension that they built between father and son um, and even mother and son. And the voice acting was legendary. The artwork was legendary. The music was legendary. Just give me more of the same. I'd be perfectly happy with that. Even though it's not Zagreus? Correct. Like, are you concerned think, that it's not going to hit in the same way? I mean, there's always that concern. But as far as the format, I think keep it just the same, just introduce me new characters, um, write just as passionately as you did for the first game and see if you can recreate that success. I don't, I mean, obviously there's always pressure on developers to give you an incentive to buy the second game, uh, change things up significantly or else it won't perform well. I don't know if that's true. I think the game did fantastic the first time around. I would love to see them do such a good job that this game is a contender for game of the year um uh, in 2023 so we will see um i'm just excited about it i don't i trust the developer completely to innovate in the right way i guess is what i'm saying um because yeah yeah. listening to the interviews um between the the, you know the creators the voice actors um their musical director slash jaggery's voiceover work slash you know one of the better players in the game i trust all of them so uh i don't remember his name i was going to mention him but i forgot his name so i'm just excited about it all around good yeah no i am too my thing is like roguelikes especially anytime there's been a sequel to one i know personally i've never been as into it as the original fair enough yeah i'm very curious to see if that works out that way but you're right if this were any other developer i'd be more concerned the fact that uh this is in super giant's hands yep i think it'll be great yeah um it'll be it'll be cool to see honestly i'm expecting it to be like they had so many ideas with hades that they just had to make a sequel, you know, like that's what I'm expecting yes, the situation yes, to be yes. and not like a, Oh, we're going to milk this for all it's worth yes. and kind of be repetitive as well. I think it's going to be the opposite of that. So I'm definitely yes. looking forward to it as well. I agree. My now, second you, pick. Yeah. Sorry, I would, go ahead. This is a game I've not even heard of. I've heard of all the other games yes. on your list, but where is this coming from? Ah, oh, yes. Mina, the hollower was what I was about to mention here and what Jared's alluding to. Uh, Mina the Hollower is by Yacht Club Games. Not sure if that name sticks out to you, but they're the people behind Shovel Knight. Oh, okay. Um, Okay, I see. Shovel Knight is one of the best platformers ever made. It really captures what Super Mario was doing with Mario Bros. 3 and Mario World back in the day and does it, obviously, with a new character with a ton of personality. And they did so much, adding so much content to that. Really premier game. They had Shovel Knight did come out this year. They've had a couple of other like Pocket Dungeon and stuff uh, spinoffs from Shovel Knight. And they've also published a few games. And pretty much across the board, all of the games have been good on some level. 
Have I gotten into every single one? Not necessarily, but with Mina the Hollower, I am just looking forward to seeing what Yacht Club Games does. I know it's the pedigree behind Shovel Knight, so I know the actual gameplay itself is going to be sound, but they're tackling a uh, aesthetic from the Game Boy Color era that you just don't see. So I'm looking forward to that as well, just seeing how they, you know, take the spirit of the Game Boy, bring that into a situation now with modern updated controls and yada yada and and see what they do and i i hope it's a good extensive game shovel knight was and after shovel knight dig being as short and succinct as it was i'm really hoping and maybe this is me just putting myself in the wrong expectations but i'm hoping that this one is is lengthy and meaty and their next big thing I've yearned for a Shovel Knight sequel. It looks like they're just doing their own thing and moving on and and trying out other things. So, Mean of the Hollower, though, is coming out this year. And knowing it's from them, I have full confidence and I'm looking forward to playing it. Uh, Right up my alley. I love indie games and especially ones that do homages to eras and things like the Game Boy Color. So, very much looking forward to that. Your third pick, Jared. Yes, sir. Uh, Should we say it together? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I guess should we my hold third hands. Well. Should we hold hands and frolic through a field as we yell the name of this game together? <laughs> oh, I wish I could. That sounds great. No, for for both my pick, my next pick, and Josh's next pick here, um, we are both super stoked to be playing Legend of Zelda: uh, Tear of the Kingdom. Tears of the Kingdom. Pardon me. Pardon me. Um, I I know nothing about this game, and it yeah. still hypes me up so much because of 2017's. Uh, legitimately one of the best games ever made breath of the wild so i i know nothing other than that i know nothing what um are you can are you concerned about anything with it is there a particular aspect of it that you really want to see and are excited about like even just something for breath of the wild that you want to see again or no i mean i'm a i'm a um i'm a breath of the wild normie so, I mean, the other Zelda <laughs> games haven't tickled my fancy as much, though I do respect them for the culture they've built. But I, I do want to say that Breath of the Wild set such a high bar that it would be very easy for them to underwhelm us. So just in a general yeah. sense, that's what I'm wary of. But other than that, I'm not too... I, I don't really care which direction, what world they build it in, whether it's linear or not. If you can make a good non-linear game, folks, I mean, we've we've seen a good non uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. If you can make a good non-open world game, we've seen that work. Uh, Hades, mm-hmm. Metroid, Dread, these other titles. We've, we, it doesn't have to be open world. It doesn't have to be a Breath of the Wild 2 to be successful. Um, I'm I'm into Zelda for more than just Breath of the Wild, you know? So so we'll see what they come up with. Um, I, will they recreate the Breath of the Wild vibe? I don't I, I don't know. I, I've, I think they probably will. That's what I've heard. But, but we'll see. I, in terms of... I hope that there's something in the game as challenging as the Lynels were, and I hope there's something in the game as silly as, you know, not stepping on flowers. You know what I'm saying? Just some of that unique Zelda vibe. So that's yeah. that's all I'm looking forward to. Are you hoping that they remove the weapons breaking? Um, no. That didn't bother me as much as some other folks, um, Partly because once you get to a certain point, you have a good routine going. Once one breaks, you always use the most 
the least uh, offensive weapon you have and then break upwards, right? Um, I always mm-hmm. found enough weapons to keep me satisfied, but it, I can certainly understand why people hated that mechanic. But me personally, I thought yeah. it was fine. Yeah, it didn't bother me too much. I think one easy fix would be giving you an option to go and repair them somehow. Like if yes. you go to a village and there's some guy that can do that. I think that'd be a really simple way to do it. But yeah. if they keep it in, it's totally fine. Yeah, I'm really curious. I hope, my hopes for this, this is my third pick as well, so I'll just jump in here as well. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom. I hope if they have the slab again, that it's four new abilities um, that you yeah. can use with your Sheikah Slate. I said slab. I guess that's the death loop term. Um, slate. Uh, I hope it's it's original in that way. You see in the trailers a lot of like little things that are happening. Like he goes up through a platform. Like he swims up through one. He has obviously it's Tears of the Kingdom, and he has his little tear thing on the side of his belt as well. It looks like he's missing his arm. So like there's like little things like that that are like oh I wonder how that's gonna play out gameplay wise. They showed things like that with Breath of the Wild, and the way that they ended up implementing into the world just blew me away. So I'm hoping for that as well. I also am praying for dungeons, like actual full-fledged Zelda dungeons. I think that's the other big thing I want to see. We'll see if they end up doing that. Uh, They saw a ton of success with the way they handled it, with the shrines and the um, Divine Beasts, so... It's on them, right? Whatever they want to do. But personally, as a Zelda, as a Zelda fan, I would I would love to see some dungeons again. And I hope they also okay. One other thing, one other hope. I hope that they deliver on the story a little bit better. Sure. I think Breath of the Wild had a lot of good initial stuff, but it really ended up becoming generic towards the end. And a generic Ganon boss at the end certainly doesn't help. So. I'm hoping, and there's been allusions to that in the trailer as well. Like the very first trailer is them going down and seeing this body. And a lot of people think it's Ganondorf, you know, kind of like coming to life. And uh, if that's going to be the big bad, I'd love that. There's also theories of Zelda dying in the game at the very start. And you're trying to revive her throughout the whole game. So like, there's a lot of stuff I think story-wise that could work super well. I'm just hoping Nintendo delivers and we'll see. One other thing too, better voice actors and actresses. Uh, (laughs) Yes. I mean, no disrespect. Fire could, the Zelda it, lady. It could be better. It could be better, for sure. It could. It could. You ain't wrong. All right, Jared, your fourth pick then. I just did my third, so let's jump over to your fourth. Yes, sir. Another one uh, unveiled at the Game Awards and from a studio that I am fully confident will bring me something delicious and challenging and fun is Armored Core by From Software. <laughs> Uh, obviously, this is a From Software podcast. I mean, excuse me. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> no, even though despite, hey, hey, hey. despite the protests of our enemies, we are not a From Software shill. They pay us nothing. We just enjoy <laughs> yeah, their don't games. Don't give them the idea. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, you could pay us. Uh, or wait, no. True. Hold on. That's I don't know true. what I want. <laughs> but but I'm very excited for Armored Core. I've always been fascinated. Uh, this is such a bad example, but I've always been fascinated by. Um, Games like Transformers, mech games uh, in general, hmm. and I, I'm looking forward to a game that's going to have at least semi-related to that idea, so I'm very excited. And your favorite anime is a mecha. That's, that's correct. Well, partially, but yes, that's correct. What it was an partially? Ep- there's, there's mecha all over. I think if you don't like mecha, it takes front and center, but to me, I'm impartial to it. Like I've never watched the Mobile Gundam series, mm. although it's on my backlog of anime of course 
uh, because it's legendary and obviously it's a popular series, but I, I've never actually felt like like Code Geass was a mech show, I guess. I've just, I was always consumed with the Geass itself, the powers at that. And the politics. It, to me, seems feels more like a political political strategy fantasy than anything else, personally. Uh, you know, so. Yeah. But, but that's just me. That's just my two cents. Have you watched Evangelion? Yes, I have. Uh, that's that's a mech anime for sure. I would describe that as a mech anime. But um, but yeah. So now I also I'd say honorable mention for Armored Core. I am just I'm holding my my expectations back a little. It's from Software, so you know I, I want to just like say yes, I'm in. But it's also not going to be Dark Souls, and they've made that very clear. Sure. There's a interview that I read, and pretty much throughout the entire interview, they're saying, like, no, it's not like Dark Souls. No, we're not going to have this thing from Dark Souls. No, it's not going to be open world. <laughs> like, so, like, all these people keep saying, sure. like, oh, is it going to be this? Is it going to, and they're like, no, it's Armored Core. Like, we're going to go back to what Armored Core was. And that's something that dates before demon souls dark souls so like this was something they were doing a long time ago and they're bringing that same mission that same dream back you know where they're it's all about the mechs and getting all the different parts that you need and it's all mission based and you go from one end of the mission to the other and yada yada so uh i'm setting my expectations lower just because i don't know if that's even going to appeal to me sure Am I gonna try sure. it heck to the yeah yeah um but that's why it's not on my list Although I did have it there for a moment, and then I was like, ah, no, so I pulled it back. That's a fair, I think that's fair. You gotta, you gotta temper your expectations. You gotta, yeah. Speaking of From Software, though, Jared, my fourth pick is the one that retains the spirit of From Software, and that is Lies of P. Have you heard of this game, Jared? Yes, but just, just seeing it mentioned either in a post or an article, I think on Twitter, but, but just, I, I know nothing about it. You don't know anything, so nope. it this the the title actually gives up the the premise. It's based off of a classic fictional cartoon character, and it's a character. I want to see if you can guess this. That has to do a lot with lying, um, and his first letter starts with a P. Do you know? So it's someone Lies who. Of... He's a cartoon character. It's a cartoon character? Cartoon character. um, Classic animation. Classic Disney. Why? I don't want to say more. (laughs) Give it away. Uh, Um, No, even with all that, I don't don't know. When I say this, you'll know. When he lies, something physical happens to him. Oh, Pinocchio. Pinocchio, yes. Interesting. Um, Okay, tell me more. I'm intrigued. So what, yeah, how weird is that? So it's called Lies of P, P referring to Pinocchio, lies referring to the fact that, you know, when Pinocchio lies, his nose grows. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a Dark Souls game. Like there's, there's Dark Souls combat, it's intense, you know, melee combat with all these different enemies and they, they all have different attack maneuvers and you have to roll around and dodge. And I don't know how much of the world itself is going to be from softy, but if you go and look at this, like the aesthetic is just like hardcore, you know, like taking, I don't know, grunge, cartoony, now adulty, like, uh, f- 
you think of the Pinocchio era. I'm trying to even think of what is it like Venice or something like that, like kind of set in that time frame. Everything's wooden. It's not it's not steampunk, but it's like steampunk but with wood. Um, and so there's like puppets and and grotesque creations and stuff that are coming out, and those are all the things that you're fighting. And you're this tall, you know, melancholy Pinocchio, and it just has this Dark Souls undertone to it. So I. I remember hearing about this and thinking, I, I, I saw the title of an article saying like a Pinocchio game. And I was like, what? Yeah. So I went and looked into it and I was just, I watched the trailer and I was like, my mind was getting blown over and over and over. I was like, holy crap. Now, is it going to be good? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it could end up being garbage, but the promise of it is there. And it is the one out of all the games from this year that'll appeal. I think at least that's my, my hunch here to my, from software, uh at this point addiction um so yeah. i'm looking forward to that uh i could say wolong is in there too wolong fallen dynasty there was another chinese game too that kind of had dark soulsy uh feels to it but lies of p is going to take my my uh fourth nomination really and it's 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 slated for 2023 we'll see if it actually comes out this year but that is one um that i am for sure going to be checking out all right and then your last one jared Yes, for me, uh, this has been a game I've been anticipating for several years now, at least at least over a year at this point, and that's Starfield by Bethesda. This is supposed to be, um, and I trust Bethesda as far as anyone would trust, you know, Vladimir Putin at this point. Like, I, I none at all. None at all. I, Why? I do, I do not think they can pull this off. Um, really? Well, maybe now that they're owned by Microsoft, maybe, maybe. Um, I do know that the Skyrim. Why the? Sorry, go ahead. Why the naysaying? Like, what? What's made you lose your faith in Bethesda? I just don't trust. Is his name Tom Ford? Isn't it Tom Ford? Who's the? uh, Todd Howard. Todd Howard. Todd Howard. Tom Ford. I don't. I don't know where I got Tom Ford from. Uh, (laughs) That might be a designer. I think we went to school with a Tom Ford. I've been hanging out with Lucy too long. Um, but oh, no, Todd go. Howard, I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. We'll, we will see what happens. They have uh, crashed and burned many games. Um, Starfield is supposed to be this epic space adventure. I've heard it's going to be Skyrim in the sky. I've heard it's not going to be Skyrim in the sky. But mm-hmm. even though Skyrim is over a decade old, that is what everyone will compare it to because it's Bethesda and that was one of the greatest selling RPGs of all time. So... We right. will see what happens. Um, I again don't trust them at all, but of course I'm very excited. So we'll we'll see. That's that's in there, but it's at the bottom of my list because I would put money on the fact that they're going to crash and burn. Nice, and that nice. this will be okay. cyberpunk in space, buggy, buggy, buggy. Well, we'll see. Oh man, you know how bad that would be for Xbox, dude. Xbox didn't have a single. Okay, there might there's probably like one, but they didn't have a single major exclusive last year. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Listen, money, That's money can't buy you happiness. But Starfield was supposed to be that one, so it got delayed into this year. Yeah. So there's a lot riding on this game, dude. Like, if it doesn't work, I, I mean, I don't know what happens with Microsoft, but I, I pray for, for their sakes that it is good. But you're right; it could totally crash and burn. Like, there are some Anthem vibes here. There are some fallout 76 vibes right. here which is probably where things were really let down right um and yeah they haven't proven themselves in a while so that's so crazy that you say it that way you know it, it it's got it, it's got bethesda behind it 
So I'm thinking my my expectation for it is that it comes out kind of like the Outer Worlds, where it's a bunch of planets. Uh, it's got some personality to it. You've got some basic gunplay combined with some Bethesda e. Uh, you know, like, uh, filling in the lore and whatnot, like Skyrim or Fallout, all kinds of crazy side quests, which I guess Outer Worlds had too, um, but less of emphasis on dialogue and more on the, the action side of things, so that's kind of what I'm expecting, plus some No Man's Sky in there too, because of the, the planetary travel. Sure, yeah. Um, but it could, it could totally, it could totally crash and burn, so guess we'll see. Guess we will see. Yes, um, I, it's, can you, and it's, we, it's, we'll, it's not even wishing that they fail. It's just, I just fully think that will happen. And I, I was yeah. having a conversation with my friend Vin. Tell me if you agree with this. And he was saying that he's PlayStation five is on his list of things to get. Uh, and I yeah. was just like, I it had, it, it occurred to me and he's not really like, it, it's not, he's not even like a PlayStation fan. It's just that it's such an elusive console that at this point it's sure. almost like oh you have a PlayStation Five oh you see what I'm saying and I wonder if yeah. the sh- the the lack of supply like keeping the supply almost intentionally lower than the demand has made um has made the PlayStation Five the more elite console in this case I wonder sometimes so we'll, we'll that, see that is totally a strategy um, I know for a fact Nintendo has done that where they created demand via scarcity. And I would not put past Sony. Now you have the whole thing with all the, uh, what do they call them? Computer boards. That's not what sure. they call them. <laughs> uh, whatever. I am not a tech guy, but um, all that definitely still plays a factor. But yeah, no, I definitely think that does. And Xbox Two, they just they've been they've been struggling. So this is their this is their game. And for their sake, I hope they do well. But I mean, you probably are betting on the safe side of that bet if i'm being completely honest my fifth pick is star wars jedi survivor i had a really hard time narrowing it down to this fifth one but i think i'm going to give the nod to survivor um other honorable mentions real quick marvel spider-man 2 i know that's going to be awesome resident evil 4 remake i also know that's going to be awesome i just i have full faith in those teams sea of stars looks fun kind of a uh uh, SNES JRPG style, kind of classic in that way, and those are always fun. Um, Suicide Squad looks interesting. I'm I'm actually a little concerned about that, but it is uh, rock steady, so we'll see if they can pull off another one. Um, and then Assassin's Creed Mirage was also on my list of honorable mentions, just because I love Assassin's Creed. It looks like they're going back to their roots a little bit with this. We're back in the Middle East for the first time since the first one, so yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they pull that one off. But Survivor, Star Wars Jedi, is going to be... Uh, my nod for two reasons one further continuation of the souls combat uh combining the uh the intensity of a souls game with star wars is like literally a dream come true for me Mm. and that's what the first game was so love that really looking forward to seeing how they balance that even more add in more variety of characters i think in the first one fallen order you get a feel for how to exploit the combat a little bit and you you start to do that more and more um and i'm hoping that they figure out ways to get around that more um the story itself was solid too i'm curious to see how that plays out they did a good job with the first one and because it's respawn I know that they have a few tricks up their sleeve. Like something else has not dropped yet and it is going to blow my socks off. So mm. I'm just looking forward to it. Fallen Order was so good. 
Jared, we have to play that this year. Ugh. Like, just have to. I'm hoping you got it. Did you get it on the PS5? The backlog is piling up. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's free. And I think it still is free. So okay. make sure at least that's queued up. Like, because it, it's PlayStation <laughs> Plus right now. So, uh, and you're right. The queue is piling up. So, I mean, I'm not going to demand that we do it this year. But it is such a good game. It is such a good game. So I'm looking forward to the sequel. And... A good Star Wars game like just hits a spot that no other game can hit. And last year's Star Wars game was so disappointing in Lego Star Wars. And so I'm looking forward to this one. And, and I can't wait till it gets released. Uh, so my five are Dead Space Remake, Mina the Hollower, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Lies of Pi for number... F- Lies of P, excuse- <laughs> I almost said Life of Pi, which, uh, which is a movie. Lies of P for number four and then star wars jedi survivor for number five jared's five were hogwarts legacy hades 2 legend of zelda tears of the kingdom armored core and then starfield and we are looking forward to a very exciting 2023 a lot of good games coming out this year but now it's time let's get our kids indoors let's shutter the windows because the pick of the week is here run away in fear because it is death loop Deathloop, an arcane game, released last year? Is that right? No. No. 2021. It, no, I don't think it was last year. I want to say it was 2019. Deathloop. Is it that far back? No, it's not. It's got to be sooner than that. 2021! Aha! So I was right. So it was last. It was it was 2021, but I played it last year. Um, first thing last year. So it had been out for a couple of months. Uh, but Deathloop. From Arcane, uh, a how do you describe this game, Jared? I mean, it's a it's a shooter. It's first person, so you got that. Uh, but it's got like a detective-y side to it. Um, it's got a stealth side to it. So you could say a stealth detective. I don't even. You can't call it a roguelike, even though it's a loop, right? But it's not a roguelike. But it I has don't... some roguelike elements. So there's just a lot going on here. I don't know um, that you can't call it a roguelike either, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can. I mean, you, you start over your day when you die. I guess when you die a couple times. But you're making um, progress. So you're right. Yes. And you're making progress in more ways than just unlocking you know, uh, a, a new area. You're making progress yeah. by using the... Um, the residual stuff that you can then keep with you throughout the loop and you begin to keep things longer over time. Uh, information is really like the gold of this game. Like most of the game, you're just hunting for information. So all of that sticks with you. Um, so you're right. You're right. It, you can't really call it a roguelike, but it is a game that really, I can't think of another game that's quite like it. Me either. Um, yeah. And that's death loop. So Jared, get us started here. What was your overall impression of death loop? My overall impre- impression was that I had to really fight um, personal biases to play this game. I say personal biases. What I really mean is personal shortcomings, just in the sense that first-person games to me are wonky. 
Um, they yeah. they sometimes do weird things to my poor sensitive tummy. So for me, it was just a little <laughs> bit at a time. It was just like, you know, half an hour here, you know, maybe sometimes 45 minutes here of, of, of keep it, taking it easy. Um, it was, it you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. And, and that was me having to deal with just my motion sickness dealing with a first person shooter. But the dialogue, the characters, the world itself, the format, the, the, um, the mystery elements, the unknowns, the story, the backdrop, the plot, um, all of them, just to be frank with you, high marks. Everything that I came against up against was was high marks for me. Um, and I I really feel like this game was perhaps not even talked about enough in 2021. Maybe it was, and I just missed it. That's certainly possible. Uh, we started this podcast in, I think, either late 2019 was the first episode I was on, or maybe early 2020, I don't remember. But we got going in earnest in 2020. And I just, I, I feel like Deathloop was something that was an afterthought to many people. And um, I'm not sure if that's warranted. Obviously, Josh mentioned the scores that were given either either on the low end or the high end, you either loved it or you just didn't, you know, you didn't like it at all. And that's very interesting to me. I, I think it gets a high technical score, but for whatever reason, it's both missing, it both has and doesn't have an X factor in the sense that it didn't yeah, generate yeah. much hype in community, in the you know gaming community writ large, but it also seems to have something that's unique because if it's, it's a, it's a beautiful blend of unique ingredients and things that I've never thought of before, weapons that I wouldn't yeah. have ever, ever invented, and uh, a number of things. So it's been it, – it was quite an interesting ride from start to finish, no doubt. Yeah. Um, you're describing, I think, the, you know, the confusion with the actual industry. Um, something that happened with Deathloop that I don't see too often, and that was really a clash between – initial reviewers and then people who picked it up after mm. i see that a lot like with movies and stuff yes, but usually do, yeah. across the board video games tend to kind of fall into one camp or the other not so with death loop death loop came out to tens galore like all kinds of um different websites and and magazines were giving it 10 out of 10 and talking about how amazing it was and talking about its originality talking about its setting talking about its characters talking about its dialogue etc cetera, etc cetera. all these things that jared just mentioned and when YouTubers and individual people picked it up after the game was released and they're playing through it, they're like, this is not a 10 out of 10. And that led to, in my opinion, a lot of people either writing it off completely or really harping on the negative sides of it without really taking into account the entire game. Um, I've seen 10s out of 10s where people said that this was a seminal moment in gaming and uh, just so much vibrant originality coming together in one fantastic package is surely to never happen again. And then I've seen people who've talked about Deathloop like it's some empty husk of a game that is repetitive and boring and and basic and uh like not complex at all where it, it, you just kind of get a checklist and you go through and you find the things and that's it um and i think it's somewhere in the middle there uh i would not give this game a 10 out of 10 but i do think this is a truly special and uh just original is the word i keep using but an original game that's doing things that we've well maybe not things but it's putting together concepts that we've not seen before and 
all and that was really the impression i got when the game was first announced and through early trailers every time there was a new trailer for this i'm like man this game and all of them were like crazy action-packed the game itself really doesn't play out that way too often although you can find yourself in some pretty intense shootouts and you're like sprinting around and everybody on the map is trying to get at you and um it can lead to some fun moments like that but uh the way that it was advertised just really really put Deathloop on the map and i think because of that so many people looking forward to it it just you fell on either side of the camp and then going forward there was no unity so either the conversation went into and devolved into places of you know bitterness and and biting words being sent back and forth or it just stopped entirely and people kind of just left it off of lists of things and that's a tragedy to me because Deathloop is a game that is deserving of uh, a look back on a uh, conversation and, and one that I think a lot of games could learn from as well. And, um, and I love it. I, I love it a lot. I, I love the aesthetic of it. Uh, it's set in like the 1960s or fifties. It's like right around there. And um, so it has kind of that older feel to it. Even just like the, the art, like, advertisements for it i just i love the font like death loop like across the top and yep these big white chunky letters and yeah uh the orange and the yellow like all of that is just like such a unique uh aesthetic a unique design that that really draws me in and then you've got colt and juliana as well right at the center and their personalities are vibrant and original and all of that centered around yes a game that can get repetitive i think just because of the nature of a loop and and yes does get to especially by the end you, you've you've figured it out <laughs> um so the last several hours are just you kind of screwing around and and doing a bunch of stuff that i mean maybe even just to elongate the game i, I know for me i figured out pretty quickly how to kill them all um maybe not quickly but within a decent amount of time then i just spent a lot of time going and searching for extra secrets and um, finding uh, all the different slabs and all the different weapons that could be unlocked permanently. And then at the end, I was like, okay, I think I'm done. And I went and I, I killed all of the um, visionaries. So for me, I love it. It's a game, though, that's, that's full of controversy. Let's talk first and foremost, I think, about some negatives, Jared. Usually we start off these conversations with the positives, but throw at me a negative of yours from the game. What was something that you saw as a huge detriment? Um. So just for some context, just for some context, you have to understand that. So Arcane Studios was the same studio that made Dishonored, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So there, there are going to be some similarities and they did, they created a game that, you know, built off some of the strengths of Dishonored. Um, and it's, it's a great studio, but at the time when it was launched, it was also, you know, launched, um, in cyberpunk era, very close together. Um, so what many people, I want to say it this way, because in answer to your question is if you're in RPG mode, this game will not be scratching the right itch, if that makes sense. And it's almost, it's almost the same issue that you have when it comes to playing, you know, Forbidden West versus Elden Ring, they're just too close together, right? Maybe you're overwhelmed with one or the other and that leaves a bad taste in your mouth for for the other. And I think the opposite thing is going on. Cyberpunk took over the headlines in the in the timelines that they were released and um, it changed, changed the narrative. You know, it cha- people were obsessed with 
you know, at that point, performance, especially on PC and, and you know, and console and whatever else. And Cyberpunk has since, you know, largely been been fixed for many for many um, what um, for many of the issues that plagued it on its launch. But I, I think that Deathloop is a classic case of being overshadowed um, by another game at a at a bad time. And I think that you get that sense when you play the game. Like the first thing that I played, you know, it took me a second to really appreciate it. I think a great, great start with dialogue and in the world and whatever else. But I think in, upon my immediate playthrough, I wasn't, I wasn't blown away. Um, and, mm. and that's really the first thing that I noticed was this game doesn't super impress me. Yeah, I like things here and there. But it's also a lot feels familiar and and what have you. The thing that impressed me the most was the dialogue. The thing that impressed me the least was that it felt too familiar, if that makes sense. Um, mm. And and I don't even know that you could say that. That's just also a victim of the, of the context to the player being me, as in like the games that I was playing around the time that I was playing Deathloop. And so that's that's something that you have to consider. Um, when you're playing these games, it's like when and where do they fall in your timeline? Uh, yeah. As we mentioned earlier, perhaps DS3 and Bloodborne fell victim to the same exact thing that I'm talking about. Um, so that, and then of course, um, this felt a lot like Outer Worlds a lot. I don't know if you got that vibe. Um, if you remember that game, the spacefaring uh, yeah. adventure game, planet hopping uh, Outer Worlds. It felt similar to that in kind of its dorkiness and and um, just kind of the gore and the the blood, the way they handled the, things like that. And that was a game that I didn't enjoy a lot either. It was okay, but this game felt like that, especially in terms of you know just the first person and the the yeah. melee, especially and unique weaponry. I was like, am I playing Outer World again? Um, so just, I think similarity <laughs> bias was the biggest thing that I didn't like right off the bat. Other, other than that, I really, there's, I'd, I'd have to start getting really nitpicky. Um, I think yeah. okay. a lack of verticality is something else. Although they fixed that by having plenty of opportunities for you to take high outlooks and, and, and prey upon uh, people below or enemies below in different areas like that. So that was kind of fixed later on as well. But those were my first bad impressions, Josh. Um, how about you? You know, I think you bring up a good point about the gunplay especially. I don't think that is where this game shines at all. Yeah. And that's where it can be pretty generic. The slabs themselves do a lot to mix that up. But when you're just going around and shooting things, like really, it gets the job done. But that's not the way to play this game. Um, it's just not like you should sneak around. You should find cool routes. You should tag enemies as you go. If you come across a group that maybe you need to take out, okay, do it quickly and dispatch them using all your abilities. But, uh, when it comes to the gunplay, like it's, it's not satisfying and it is kind of generic. Uh, I will, I will totally see that point. I think that that's, that's something that a lot of people looked at and said, Hey, you know what? This the crux of a first-person shooter should be the gunplay, and Deathloop is kind of just another one in the mix when it comes to that, um, and so that would be a, a negative thing. I think the other thing that you could throw as a negative is the, uh, how do I put this? Um, because there is some variety, but, like, the levels themselves, like, the, the main areas, what is it, like, four different areas... Um, I can't remember. I know it's four times of day. And is it five areas? 
I'd have to look again. But whatever the, it's four or five areas, uh, the, whatever those areas are, when you're first in them, okay, the first, you know, several times that you're going through the loop and you're discovering them, there's a lot there that obviously is new and you're getting used to it, but the more you play it, the smaller those areas become, which is normal for any game, and the more, I don't know, uh, boring <laughs> they become. Sure, sure. Well, uh, right. Because you figure them out. What were you saying? I'm sorry. No, I was just agreeing with you. I, you your enemies are all in the same place. Um, there, right. There is a little bit of mix-up, but they it does start to feel stale. You can feel it starting to feel get. You know, it, you can feel it starting to get stale sooner than you'd like, and you recoil against that. Exactly. And you start to go to a different area, even though you know it's not the best strategy, just to mix things up. And um, yeah. In addition to that, and I don't really say this as a huge criticism, it's just a personal preference, is that a lot of the areas are fairly bland. Um, they don't... They other are. Other than the main city where you kind of start off and, and, and like Frank's studio kind of, a lot of them are very um, either generically colorful or generically bland, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. So if, if the goal of the game is to be, you know, to get a really good loop and get a good rotation going... Um, then it's really more about uh, keeping things fresh with maybe varied enemies. I mean, even if you were reliving the same day over and over and over again, you're not going to make the same move every single time. Um, right. At least I would think so. So I would agree with the staleness. Um, I kind of interrupted your thought, but I was agreeing with you. No, totally. Uh, I appreciate that because I was going to say kind of in, in addition to that, what you're saying too, the, the part where it really, and you said it happens too soon, I totally agree. The part where you really, it, it clicks that there's just not, these areas aren't changing as much as you'd like is when, at least for me, when I realized I, I walked into an area at a different time of day and I was like, oh, wow, I don't know any of this. And then I came across the entrance that it had me go out of earlier in the day. Because there's four parts of the day, right? It's morning, midday, afternoon, night, or something like that. Um, and each of the parts of the day, the areas that you have, the four or five areas that you have, they progress, like, I, by the end, like, because it's a party day, so, like, by the end, they're kind of trashed, and the patrols themselves, the enemies, will change based off of the hour as well, so you'll see different groups in different places and whatnot if there's different events going on, but the area itself has not changed. In fact, when I came across, later in the day, the original entrance that I went into, the particular area, I was like, oh... So they tricked me. For some reason, I was thinking like I was seeing a whole other part of this world, but they just had me enter in from a different area. And I, being a dum-dum, thought, oh, this is all brand new. But no, it's the same place, but it's flipped in my perspective because I'm used to coming in, you know, from the north entrance <laughs> and now I'm on the south entrance. Uh, and it felt fabricated. It felt cheap when that moment happened. And that would be another gripe that I have is that it really becomes, once I realized that, then I just started to put two and two together and kind of just like pick out where the entrances were and utilize a lot of the same paths over and over and over that I knew would work. And like I said, they'll mix it up by changing, you know, the, the different routes that the enemies will take and so on and so forth. But really, it's not enough for me. I would have preferred that like something big happen in each area. I don't know. Or maybe even just like halfway through the day where and it could, totally could have happened, you know, where an explosion goes off in one part of the the uh, 
island or um and there are little moments like that i guess uh where you can like i think there's one where you like turn off the power and that kind of changes the way that that area works and in general there yeah. is a lot with each part of the day that changes like uh you know like a, a particular window will be open one way or there's a route to a building that you didn't have access to in the morning but now in the afternoon you have access to it so like there's little things like that but for the most part, I think that's where you start to see the limitations of the game and where uh, I think a lot of people saying that it's repetitive are correct. And that comes in the world itself, plus the gunplay on some level. When it comes to... Now, as far as... Pu- uh, when it comes to repetition, I think that uh, to smooth to smooth things out, to make things feel less repetitive, you have to shorten the steps that it takes to get back to where you were just a second ago. So if you decide that going to Frank's studio the first thing in the day is the best way to start the game, you you are not going to want to battle through every single enemy yet again. You're going to want to make a significant amount of progress the first time and then find a shortcut every you know the second time that kind of saves you the headache of going back. Um, and writing that level of complexity is is sometimes difficult. I found myself kind of beating my head against a wall, trying to do things the same way over again, and then kind of getting sick of things. Um, because you don't always hit the enemy in the head every run through. Sometimes you miss, and then it's a headache. You know what I mean? You got to right. deal with it. So there's there's things like that, and I think there there were some moments like that, right? Like in specifically in Frank's studio, actually, is if you go through, um, you find an entrance out to like a, a tunnel that then you can use to get back into. Um, I think uh, either Alexis's base is the same way. Alexi's base, I don't remember. There's one or two shortcuts that that work, um, but for some reason, it's not it's not making me chomp at the bit to go do another run. Um, they started to become more chore like and a bit more um, tedious as as my playthrough yeah. went on. Yeah, great word, tedious for sure. But and I don't. Some of that applies to other parts of the game yeah i'd say even the the gameplay but what were you gonna say i don't know how to fix that like i don't have a solution for the developer that says you know oh here's exactly how you fix that there was something about the way that the game flowed um the pacing of it um i don't know the fact that there was no you weren't in a rush or there was no um i don't know i really don't have a solution for yeah. for how to fix a, a something like that if you were to ask me to come up with a better idea for a video game than Deathloop, I couldn't do it. But at yeah. the same time, I can't deny that there's slight feelings of frustration throughout the playthrough in terms of the freshness of each run. Um, and maybe that's because you get, um, I don't know how else to say this, um, in comparison to a, a similar game, uh, like a roguelike like Hades, you start off each run with a different weapon and there's you know different... Uh, level ups for that weapon different abilities you can attach to it you know and and keeping every run randomly different is what makes the game so fresh can you imagine hades mm-hmm. without a random ability upgrader it would be pointless yeah, no it way. would be a pointless no game yeah. and so i wonder if deathloop suffers from from that in a sense in that maybe to keep deathloop fresh you need to randomly maybe there's make uh, uh, there is multiple ways to beat the game but maybe randomize your your weapon set and your 
I don't know, but that, but also it makes sense against the plot. Like you, that's not what happens. You start, you know, with how you die essentially. So, um, so I, I don't really have a solution. I'm just critiquing, <laughs> but, but you can't deny I know that you there's mean, a though. lack of freshness to each run. I think that would really solve it if they just implemented more roguelike elements. Like we were saying, it's not really a roguelike, but it's a time loop. Like yes. you need some roguelike randomness to it to keep it fresh. And I think that's where it suffers because you you learn the areas really easily. I mean, you could you can improve it too by just like adding more areas. Like if you add like I just looked it up. There's four. Uh, so you have four main areas, and then if you add, I mean, if you add like two more. That could probably keep things fresh for longer. But then it's also a lot more. Like when you first start the game, you're like crazy overwhelmed. You're like trying to figure out how things work. Uh, you're trying to get a feel for the the combat, for the loop itself. Uh, the way the gameplay works, you have a whole day. There's four sections of the day and you can visit a different area for each part of the day. And by the end of the day, if you haven't died, when you go to sleep, it resets. At any point, if you do die, it resets the loop at the very start of the day. And you get a couple of grace periods in there where you can get shot a couple times without dying. Um, and that's kind of like a super thing that Colt can do. But um, you're, you're getting reset constantly. So you're going back and you're, you're either doing a task that you did before already and you have to do it again. Especially by the end, right? When you have to kill all of the visionaries. Um, I know for me, it took me one or two tries uh, to do it all in one day. Um, and there takes there's a lot of time before you get to that point, and there's a lot of stuff you need to figure out before then. Uh, but just to add in on that loop when you do start over on that day, just to add in some some randomness, I think sure. would really help. Uh, throwing in random enemies in different places, or and, and it's tough because it's not that. Like, Deathloop is not random. Everything has been built with something in mind, right? Yeah. They have stuff hidden in all these different buildings. Uh, they have enemies going in particular ways, so they push you in different areas um, at different points in the day. All of it is there for a reason. You have the schedules that all of the visionaries are on, and they follow those every day and have that predictable pattern, so you can get a feel for that and investigate each and every single one of them. So there is a sense of progression, especially in putting together the pieces and, and the clues and whatnot, uh, but the world falls behind with that. Like As you are still checking things off and putting two and two together and figuring out, okay, these two visionaries are going to be in the same spot, uh, you're learning in that way, and, and things are staying fresh in that way, but the gameplay in the world itself starts to fall behind and doesn't remain as fresh for as long. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I could definitely see that as a, as a huge gripe. Even saying it now, I'm realizing, like, yeah, okay, that's a big problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so... I think um, as, while we're spitballing here, um, I think if you were to make each area, so the game is zany. Like there's there's definitely you know you have super zany, super zany. And so here's my solution. Um, and obviously it's a little too late, but so if you wake up as Colt with no weapons, no weapons, um, and and you focus instead on upgrading the abilities of Colt. And you, you simplify things by he he learns how to make grenades or he learns how to make tools, not weapons, but like tools, you know, for the unique run that he wants to do. And you have a certain number of crafting items in your workshop every time you, you wake up. So you can make uh, two tools max or three grenades max or something along those lines. And I think there's a there is a little if I'm remembering, it has been a, a month or so since I've played this game. But I there has been uh, there 
there was a little bit of that. Like you can, you know, build grenades and what, and what have you. But I think if instead of you focus on upgrading Colt himself and then you learn new skills, sure. you learn the tricks, the, the routes, the special routes and the secrets and, and underneath and all that stuff. But then when every time you enter a new area, there is a vending machine with a random weapon in it that gives you that randomness that we're looking for. Because mm. the, there's vending machines all over the game, and they give you health, they give you ammo, and you have to kind of pick and choose. But if they gave you weapons as well, am I tripping? Or or was there like a, a random weapon vending machine? Was there one or no? I can't remember. There There might have been one. I can't remember. Every run you started with, you kind of <laughs> chose what you went out with, I suppose. And you could... Well, and that was because of... I was going to bring this up, but it has a really cool system, and this would be kind of like you'd lose this if you're doing what you're saying, where over time, using the residual stuff, you can keep this stuff. So it gives you a sense of progression in that once you unlock a cool weapon, if you pay to keep it using the residual... I don't even know what it's called. It oh, like yeah, the I forgot about that. That is true. Um, then you keep the gun with you, which means when you die, because that's the thing. It's a death. It's a time loop, right? It's a day. So everything resets on the day, which means he should get set back to zero every single day. But right. they cheat the system a little bit right. and help you get some progression yeah. by letting you keep items and things. So you'd lose that part of it for sure, which I think is a good benefit, especially at the start. But by the end, you're obviously like, way too great for everything that's going on like my slabs by the end dude i would use the teleport one and then i would use carnesis and i would just like teleport all around disappear from sight and then i would just grab people and like hurl them and i think you could even at the end like have them start to explode and it was like arbitrary at that point like Mm -hmm. it was just funny business there was no challenge to it or anything like that um but that was only made possible by the fact that i could keep my slabs every time i died and i could upgrade them and keep the upgrades too so just something else put out there i I mean i don't know i don't know if we can solve it right there there's just some because of the way that the game is designed and because of how it's set up there's some drawbacks and there's some flaws and if you removed some of those flaws and put in other systems then you might lose some of what makes it original and creative as well so yeah either way there's gonna be drawbacks i think what did you think of let's jump into the story. What did you think of the story? I loved the story. I really feel like this would be a really fun movie to watch. Um, this would be a really fun TV series to enjoy. The story is enjoyable despite the format. Um, and and I, I really liked it. Uh, the, the mystery surrounding the place um, leading up to how it all concludes was enjoyable and fresh and different and um i i really liked that uh i think that the the insane the insanity of the characters was really enjoyable for me and having them all on this crackpot island of you know science experiments and art and music was was a great setting and a placement so i i really enjoyed this story i think plot resolution towards the end for whatever reason, just lacked the gut punch that it should have had. And I don't, I don't really know why again, it just, to me, you know, it, 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 uh, yeah, I don't know. It just lacked the, it lacked the punch, I suppose. Um, except for the, the one ending, um, which was fine, but, um, yeah, that, those are which, just my thoughts. Which ending did you, 
did you get honestly i don't i don't even know because i know there were options at the end i don't i don't know what the other ones were like i i just never looked into it i ended up um i ended up killing juliana um that was that was the one ending and then i went up and looked up the other endings and if you uh there's a couple i think there's three endings i think if you spare her you you get to choose whether to keep living the loop with her or you you break the loop and let her live and she gets mad at you i i think i broke the loop but i uh, killed her too i can't remember um yeah or maybe I, tr- I killed. You know both what it was? I think I might have pulled the trigger, but it didn't work. I don't actually remember. It was a month ago. But um, the okay. ending where she shows up and she holds like this gun in your face, and she's like quivering yeah. with rage. That was the one that had the yeah. emotional punch. But that's not the one I got the first time. It's the one I looked up afterwards. Um, I got you. I wish I. Had that's the one that I had. One. I did. Yeah, yeah. 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 So tell me your impressions of the story then. I loved it. I loved the world. Uh, the concept of a time loop has always been intriguing to me. Um, the eternal, both pleasure and pain that can come from them, yep. right? Yep. Um, and the concept of eternity obviously blows our mind anytime we try to wrap our mind around it. Uh, I was watching a documentary, I guess it's like a month ago now, it was last year, but uh, on Netflix about infinity, about the number infinity. And I was just like, 30 minutes in, I was like, I don't even know what they're talking about anymore. <laughs> like. <laughs> It is so ridiculously insane, right? So, like, we can't comprehend it. And, like, I love when media takes this concept on and does it in a good way. Not all of them are. Um, but this one, I think, does a really great job of, like, showing showing how awful it is, but then also how necessary, like, the time loop was. Like, if I'm not mistaken, and it's been a while, but if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it was, like, the end of the world. They were, like deciding like to avoid the end of the world they're all going to get together in this time loop yeah and they took advantage of like an anomaly and they are all basically living the same day over and over and over but it's like a party day or you know for some of the visionaries it's like a research day like the chick that keeps duplicating herself um and they just they keep doing the same thing over and over and the only people that remember what's happening um when the day resets are colt and juliana so they're unique, and Juliana either realized it ahead of time before Colt uh, that it was a time loop, or um, Colt himself just because of his amnesia keeps forgetting and, and keeps going like resetting basically. But uh, Juliana takes advantage of that; like she makes a huge announcement at the start of the day, like "Hey, everybody, kill Colt!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's just like, but for all of the people on the island, and a lot of them are there partying, and like even in the morning, they're all like drunk already. Um, they don't realize it's just so interesting to me that they don't realize that they're repeating the same day um, every day that they restart. They're thinking it's the first day, and they say that every every day. It's like, hey, it's the first day of the infinite time loop or whatever. Um, and only Juliana and Colt realize that they're resetting. So for those people who are living in the day, honestly, sounds like a good time. They have parties. They do fireworks. Uh, they go and do fun things with experiments, and they have all the different labs and research going on. So to be ignorant would be great. Uh, for Colt and Juliana, who are not ignorant and who know that it keeps repeating, sounds like my worst nightmare. Yeah. So I right. like the concept in general. I think they play with it in really fun ways. Um and I think the pain of a time loop two is seen really well in Colt himself. You begin to realize like 
he's he's been broken by this like he himself didn't even realize how bad it was yeah and juliana is both trying to kill you every single day but also trying to help you because at least the impression i got was that she didn't want the loop to be broken she wanted to stay in it forever um and yeah part with, of that was because with her of how absent father yeah yeah right um and 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 colt and juliana father and daughter so spoilers there but uh i liked all that and i think the way that they handled it with those two characters was really great and the visionaries and and their characters were all good enough obviously they're not the the main crux of this and the fact that they reset every day means that there's no progression in their stories uh but good enough to make things interesting you kind of see their interests as well and because I think the world itself is great. You're stuck on this island. It's a loop. Uh, I, I think the fact that they're just basically partying at the end of the world is, is very interesting. And, um, yeah. The way that it ended for me was with me killing both of them. And we ended up on the beach again. But, like, the sky was all crazy. And I don't know what was going on there. And that was the 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 ending where Juliana kind of comes up and points a gun at you. And yep. I assumed it was because you broke the loop and she's, she's upset about it. But how it all plays out, honestly, I don't even really know. But I loved it. I I I don't think it had a great ending, like you've said. Uh, kind of left the gut punch out and and could have been better. But just the premise of it is just so intriguing to me. So yeah. I liked it because of that. And the world, I think, does a good job of realizing that. How about the different aspects of the gameplay? So how did you typically play? Were you more of a stealth-based guy, or did you try to go in Guns of Blazing more often than not? Well, it just depended. I never felt like I had the right equipment to go in Guns Blazing. I always felt like I had to have some variety of stealth, or else I would just die so fast. Um, yeah. So and I, you know, I lean stealth, but if the game if the game calls for a Guns Blazing or it gives you the option to do both, I do Guns Blazing. But a lot of games, you know, they want you to be stealthy and crafty and extend the 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 game time because if you got to think like if you're playing a game guns blazing you're probably getting through it pretty fast if you're playing a game uh stealth it's taking you a while because you're thinking and you're you know so there's longer play time on the game more commitment more chance for you to fall in love with it so i understand the incentive to go one way or the other but um i tended to be stealth but i really i i like my guns blazing so i really enjoyed the um the slab where you could attach people and kill one of them and it would kill all of them. That was a lot of fun. Yes. I really tried to incorporate that one. That was a lot of fun. And the, um, I really, I never got good at using the teleport. So my kills were very rough. Like I didn't really understand. Mm. I was just bad at using it. Um, so I, I stuck to Colt's slab and, and the you know gluing people's heads together slab to do most of my dirty work, um, but I I think that I've never I've never seen um, that ability before in a video game, so that's partially why I was so attached to it. That ability to attach people I don't remember the name of it, but yeah, um, that was a ton of fun. Carnesis was fun as well. Um, but, yeah, but I really enjoyed just the the two you get towards the beginning that were that were a lot of fun for me. Um, so my gameplay tended to be stealth until I got found out and then just try to go out guns blazing. Cause I, I do like guns blazing. It's a lot of fun. So, um, so yeah, yeah. but uh, no, I, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I think you, you do need to stealth. That's one of the things that arcane does. Like 
they will find a way to kill you if you're not being careful. Yeah. And I like that about this game. Like it really does. Even by the end, you can become very powerful. I think one of the things I mentioned in one of the previous episodes is I just sat in one corner of, of a room and all of these people's at the very end where they have the big party. Um, and you have to kill a couple of the visionaries there, maybe even three of them. Um, at the very end of the day at night. Um, and I just sat in one of the side rooms. There was like, it, it's the end, right? It's the end of the day. It's the huge party. So there's hundreds of yep. people just all around. And if you're running around outside, you're going to die pretty quickly. Cause someone's going to shoot you from somewhere. But I went into one of the rooms, all of my slabs were upgraded. And I was just sitting back there, just like killing person after person as they're running through the door. Uh, so you can get OP, but I think they have a good balance and it does force you to, use stealth and arcane is great at stealth um and combining with the slabs honestly i don't know how you didn't play the game with the teleport like that became so integral to me like jumping around the map and and jumping far and up and out of the way anytime that i got in trouble i just went boop 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 and i was out of there you know yeah and there's one you can go invisible too so like that that kind of gets the job done but that and carnesis like i had at all times and when using them left and right and left and right um you can also like hack things so i you do that quite a bit where you're hacking equipment um i think you can hack the weapons themselves but like uh different turrets and stuff there around the map and use those against the people um you can also set up major events uh one of the ones i think that was fun is that if you get seen by this lady who's like hiding deep in the base she's gonna blow up the whole island so you have to be very careful that she doesn't catch you or the day's gonna re- reset and then similarly there's a lady at the very beginning in the morning who you have to kill in the morning and she is just like barricaded behind all these people way over in this little part of her island and she's planning on leaving via plane she has everything set up there so it because of the different challenges that it presents like one of them's like in this like arcadey video game area and it's all tight hallways and you have to like work your way up this tower to go kill this guy um all of that pushes you in different ways and and you have to use a combination of stealth plus intense action then at at some moments you just have to get out of there in order to survive so i liked all of that i think the gameplay despite the genericness of the guns like i mentioned before uh, it keeps you going although by the end like i said you begin to figure things out as well how did you feel about the the mystery side of it? The putting together clues, the detective work you had to do. Did you find that fascinating or was it just kind of busy work? Um, some of it was fascinating. Some of it was busy work. Um, I really enjoyed... Okay. Um, I really enjoyed discovery. I like, you know, exploring and different things like that. So finding little hideaways with caches of weapons and, and whatever else, that was a lot of fun. Um, in terms of the mystery of the overall storyline, it felt like it was heading towards a kind of a forest scene resolution a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I would be more inclined to... Um, I would be more inclined to say that the backstory behind these characters was the most fun part of the mystery, especially like their, their dialogue to one each other and things they were writing back and forth that kind of showed the insight into how insane they were or how, you know, Rocksteady or what they valued and, and different things like that. That was the most fun part of the mystery to me was actually doing some digging on the characters themselves. Um, as far yeah. as the overall resolution, 
that seemed to be foregone even from the moment you wake up. When you realize you're in a loop, it's like, okay, well, I have a choice then. I'll probably be, I, I thought to myself as, a, you know, within the first couple hours, it's like I'll pro- at the end of this game, I'll probably be given a choice to either, you know, end this loop or or continue it, you know, or the game will just say if you win, you end it. If you lose, you have to start over. You know, it's it's going to be very simple choices mm-hmm. here. Nothing that will blow my mind like crazy. Um, so, yeah. But um, I think, again, I love exploration. I, I love RPGs in general. I love exploring. So for me, digging into the backstories was the most fun part of the whole mystery of uncovering everything. Yeah, I agree. Um, the characters, like I said, I think were a little generic when it came to the visionaries. They could be, yeah. Reading... Like, the more you read in this game, the better the story gets. Yes. So, like, hearing, or, excuse me, reading the different relationships that they had, who hates who, who loves who. Yeah, like there's a, yeah. There's two lovers that you have to go find and kill. <laughs> like, you know, uh, you have to catch them when they're sneaking off. And little moments like that are always fun. I love the mystery of Colt himself. I think he, as the center of the game, just works fantastically. You see other Colts. Right, like, yep. Uh, either from the future or the past, it's very confusing on on where these cults are coming from, and they all are like almost totally different people. Kind of gives me like a Returnal vibe on yes. that. Yeah, and um, he also like he'll see like words in the in the sky, which I don't know if I ever really figured out what those were. Was it like at first I thought it was like Juliana like telegraphing like telepathy like telling you what you needed to do, but. I actually don't really remember what those were supposed to be. I thought it was but notes it had to something yourself, to do with Colt. but I didn't know how they got there. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, that's the, that was kind of the read I got on that. That's probably the case where he's, he's like, it's like words of wisdom that he's remembering or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I liked all that. You find out Colt's really the only visionary who wants to break the Luke. Everybody else is for it. But part of that is because none of them even realize that they've been in it for as long as they have been. And I don't know if it even says how long it's been. It's been a crazy amount of time. It's been like decades. Yeah. So... Like, that sucks for Colt. <laughs> but um, he's the only one that wants to break it. Juliana's trying to stop him. And so you have that whole conceit and uh, why he wants to do it, too. There's a lot of questions. Because at the start, he wakes up with amnesia on the beach. But it's been several years. And Juliana remembers everything. And she's, like, taunting you. And she's, like, bitter towards you. You have no idea who she is. But she's talking to you and, and constantly on your mic. And she constantly begins to like harass you about breaking the loop and why you want to do it. And at first he's like, Oh, I don't really know. Like, why do I want to do this? And and now you killed me. So I'm bitter. And like, he kind of bounces back and forth. And by the end he realizes like, no, I have to do this for the sake of all these people. And he comes to that conclusion. But like, you see him figure out himself. You see him learn, of course, about the loop itself and the little area that they're in about the people. And I just loved that progression of a character. And I mentioned him as a favorite character, and I stand by that. Really great, well-written. I love how he grows, and I love how you grow alongside him. Yeah, and his voice actor is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Absolutely. Both of them. Yeah. Phenomenal. And you're right that you said, like, some of the dialogue kind of gets a little generic. I think at the start of the game, it's really punchy. Like, it's really good dialogue. It's really well done, yes. Yes. 
It is, and, and a lot of that comes down to really you just haven't figured things out yet. Like, who is Juliana? How does she know me so well? Um, and there's, like, at first he's, like, asking, like, are you my wife? <laughs> like, are you a lost lover? Like, who are you to me? And then he realizes after t- some time, like, that it's my daughter. Um, and, you you know, you, you piece all that together. But I, the mystery side of it, all that to say, I think works fairly well. I think collecting the clues can be kind of basic and just checking things off your list because it tells you where you need to go next and it'll tell you what you need to do in each area which part of the the day and you can kind of just go through and do boxes that way now here's a question jared did you play through it by doing a whole day every time and trying to see what you could do in each area depending on the part of the day or did you like single out one particular thing and just reset the loop anytime you needed to go to a different area at a different part of the day and just like figure out that path first and then move on from there um well you get different hints throughout the game i tended to try to find the best way to do a certain segment of the day that day that was the most efficient and then just i kept repeating that so for instance it's pretty easy to go to, I don't remember her name, to go to her hangar and, like, kill her very easily yeah. and then gas gas everyone. Um, right. So there was there was that option, um, um, but I don't remember if I ended up doing that. I think I might have found a better way. I don't remember. Um but but yeah, so that was that was one you know that's pretty consistent. And there's the two the two that meet up in secret. You can kill them with the the ability that I mentioned that I like the connecting to. Um, so yes, <laughs> that's so that I tried to perfect a single way of doing it. Um, and so that I tried to if I got it wrong, I I would sometimes restart the whole day. I would just die intentionally. So yeah, um, but but yeah, did you? Um, how often like once you found something that worked did you did you have any did you switch it up just to keep things fresh or or what regarding like killing the visionaries yeah yeah specifically yeah well i think the game is set up to kind of funnel you in a particular way right, to kill them right. all Right. in one day right so like you have to get to that point where it's all structured and on each part of your day you're going and you're killing someone else yeah so i think that's a part of it um I definitely, like, halfway through the game, once I had figured out some of the combat, I was getting a feel for the areas, I really started to experiment. And I was all over the place. I was running around. I was doing things I wasn't supposed to, and I really liked that. Um, Like, going to the guy who's up in the building. Man, I wish I knew their names. Um, Who's hiding in, like, the arcade area and seeing if I could coax him out and, like, trying that. Um, Going and seeing if I could... uh, trick the the lady at the beginning to kill herself and and like just trying little things yeah and, and seeing which which method worked best should i run in guns right. a blazing and just kill her and then right. try and get out of there because right. i could do that you know in some cases uh for the lady at the beginning it's not gonna work for the guy uh i think it's like charles or something it, it might work and i could get by without anybody seeing me or, or i could run in kill him really fast and get out of there as fast as possible too so like trying out little things and experimenting was a ton of fun um i did that a lot in the middle of the game but you really settle into a groove once you've gathered enough of the clues once you have the the structure of the day down and once you know where everyone's really gonna be throughout the day you you begin to just see okay i need to go here and do this in this part i need to go here and do this in this part of the day etc etc and by the end it kind of just lines itself up for you and you can 
you can strike out with it, which is great. But it doesn't give you a whole lot of like agency, I guess. That's true. You That's know? true. That's like true. really when it comes down to it, it just doesn't do that. Which again goes back to some of the gripes that people have. Do you have any other thoughts here, Jared? Um, I mean, I could mention music and design. I think we've talked about design pretty well. I think the music goes along with that fairly well. Um, so, the, I, I mean, I like I like the difference between when you're quietly sneaking around and then when you're, like, obviously, like, being chased. Like, the music just, you know, matches it very well. Yeah, yeah. The, um, I like the jazz elements. That was a lot of fun. Just kind of that funky... For sure. Funky vibe, for sure. Um, again, yeah. the, uh, I think things were, like... I guess to me, it just looked stylistically. It looked a lot like Outer Worlds to me, and I just didn't care for yeah. that. Um, I know one's in it's space the yellows, man. and one's on the loop, but just for some reason, they just in my mind meld together. And so um, maybe it's because there's so much. Well, you go the- to like a party building, yeah, and it's like it's like blues and purples and futuristic looking that's devices. Right. Yeah, it's like what, and pe- that's like, yeah. and then you go to the other building and it looks the same way like that was one thing that was very disappointing to me is like some of the bigger buildings all kind of like yes they were structurally different but like you said it was kind of like oh it's it's this futuristic i guess 60s vibe at the same time yeah so we were we were talking about um why this game didn't seem to perform well or what it was missing and i actually i'm remembering an article because I asked this question, like, why didn't I hear about this right when I first, right when you suggested playing it? And I was like, okay, this game is so cool. Let me look up on it. And um, so I just did a quick Google search, and I'm now remembering that the there w- it got review bombed on on Steam, and that's because mm. the PC players were very frustrated because they had like anti piracy software. Um, I might be mispronouncing it, but it's Denuvo, I think. Um, and supposedly it gives PC players performance issues. Um, and the same thing happened with Dishonored 2, and so it got review-bombed on Steam, which, to be frank with you, I mean, that could be part of the reason why, you know, it didn't gain the traction that it did. You know, you have uh, PC Master Race people. <laughs> um, but yeah. but I, I, I just re- I wanted to add that in. I was like, perhaps there was a concerted effort. Um um, I've also I also saw some definitely artic- happens. I also saw some articles about um, oh yay it's so refreshing to have a black player a uh, black person be the lead you know and um, I could go either way it doesn't matter to me what my lead is I don't care it could be uh, Samus it could be Aloy it could be um, you know your your the any of the characters in GTA Five it could be what I, you know I don't care about stuff like that you know so it is what it is I thought you Cole- say that. You say that, Jared, but I know your internalized whiteness. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, that's kind of the argument that people make, right? It's like, oh, well, you know, if, if people weren't racist, this game would have been done better. It's like, uh, I, I don't know if I believe that. Maybe. You could be right. I but, 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 like, you, I can't imagine this game without Colt. That's right. Like, that's exactly put race right. to the side. Like him, you know? Yes. I couldn't imagine like, Kratos I imagine without Christopher without. Judge, you know? Like, it's the same thing. There, Yeah. Right. There you go. Although there were four games made without Christopher Judge. <laughs> but <laughs> I know what you mean. That's true. I know what you mean. So, yeah. So, any final gripes, Jared, you'd like to throw out? I think we've covered our bases pretty well. Yeah. I There, there was, again, it's this lack of X Factor for me. I really don't know what it is. Mm. It's just in the games, other than Colt and Juliana themselves, the game itself doesn't stand out to me. 
um, and the one ability where you could attach two people together. I thought that was genius. I was like, how can I abuse this? Um, yeah, that's I'm easy to please. I'm a casual. <laughs> no, but like that was an ability that I hadn't seen in other games. Um, and so, you know, I'd teleport I'd seen before, obviously, and like Rebirth I've seen before or, or you know, retrying. But um, the, the, this game was, it's so unique um, for the combination of elements that you, you won't find mashed together in other games, at least none that I know of. And the, the, the vibe and the music mixed together, the colors with the landscape was, you know, they were, um, I don't want to be rude, but to me they were not impressive. So like the feeling that you get as you play this game, the vibes, the atmospheric, you know, it just wasn't up. It wasn't my preference. So it was missing mm. that X factor. That's the best way I can describe it. It's like the over over the speaker's nihilism. Like it doesn't matter what you do today. If you get killed today, we'll tell you how you got killed tomorrow. You know, like stuff like that. It just kind of gave, it left me with a weird taste in my mouth every time I played it. And yeah. the game overall, I, can, I really can't level any serious criticism about it because it's so thoughtful and creative, but it was just missing that X factor for me. And X Factor, there's a reason we call it X Factor. It's because it's really hard to describe. So um, mm-hmm. that's really just my final gripe. I really don't have um, anything else. I can't really be too nitpicky. Um, I tried to earlier in this podcast. It didn't work out because <laughs> there's a reason they designed it the way that they did. And they're, you know, so, sure. yeah. What you're saying is resonating with me. The first thing that came to my mind, and this is just going to show how generic of a nerd i am but i thought of the second avengers movie age of ultron i remember reading a review over that and i think it kind of it could fit here with death loop where they said um oh goodness what's his name the director um the guy who directed the first avengers and i'm gonna kill myself if i can't think of his name um i'm gonna look him up but when he directed the first avengers um joss whedon joss whedon of course yep um when he directed the first avengers he caught lightning in a bottle like he he found the x factor you know and it was like so amazing and when the second one came out people went and and honestly i loved the movie me too Um, i like all the avengers movies but there was something missing and and people couldn't put their thumb on it i remember reading a review that was saying like whedon with his first movie with avengers he was able to weave together this fantastic tapestry. Like he took all these parts and all these colors and all these threads and he can join them all in such a way that it made this wonderful work of art at the end. Um, and with the second one, it's like it just it, it either became too much or he just wasn't able to weave it quite at the same level. Where And I think going back to it too, it, it definitely holds up, but... There was just so much that he had to spin, and the way that the reviewer put it was like, with the first one, he was able to weave a tapestry. With the second one, he couldn't quite get to the art, like the level of a, of a masterful piece of art, so he just spun all the threads as fast as he could until it kind of just like disappeared. Like It was just moving so fast because everything was moving around it, and it never actually formed into this, this X-Factor cohesive final wonderful thing but all the elements were still there. Like, you had it all there. Uh, the threads were all still active and a part of it, and you had all the different storylines and things, but they didn't quite come together at the end. Um, 
and I I feel like that might be Deathloop, where you have the the great design, you have the fantastic characters, uh, you have the the unique time loop, um, you have the uh, the slabs and the, and the weapons and the stealth and the the clues and the mysteries, all of that as something. And then you even have, and we didn't really talk about this, but like Juliana throughout the game hunts you, like she yeah. pops up at random times. Yeah, and she's really like if we have a randomness factor, it's her. Now I'm assuming you didn't play with multiplayer. I didn't play with multiplayer. That sounded like stress out of you know a situation i just didn't need stress in technically though you could have it set up where another person can play as juliana in your game as opposed to an npc yeah um and like that even in and of itself is just a cool it's a cool concept that goes with a game that's trying a lot of original things but all the parts don't congeal into a fantastic hole and maybe it is because of some missing x factor but i i do think that's probably the the story of Deathloop. Thing. Yeah, I would agree. And I think I don't that, know if you'd agree. Okay. No, I would agree, and I think. But here's the thing, and here's your your i your uh, comments inspired this idea, which is I think the solution to Age of Ultron is actually more Ultron. James Spader's voice acting sure. for Ultron oh, yeah. as this ah uh, Steve Rogers, God's righteous man, like that cadence, oh, yeah. that villainous cadence. I wanted a thousand percent more of that. And yet we fell apart with this whole like the Quicksilver and his sister. And of course they build on Miss Olsen later on in the series with Scarlet Witch. And like, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I needed more James Spader. It actually felt like the villain in that story took a backseat to all of the other side quests that were distracting the Avengers in that movie. And I almost wonder, right, right, right. because James Spader is such an incredible actor, uh, our voice, voice actor. I loved him in blacklist. I loved, I loved him as Ultron. He's, I love his voice. If I could have anyone's voice in the world, it would be James Spader's, but, but <laughs> I needed more Ultron. He's not, he, he makes a mockery of human beings through his, his, um, views on the internet and what he learns. And he's like, you know, he makes these comments. He's like, this planet needs to be returned to the dinosaurs. And you see that kind of this this destructive chaos, and I love that. But um, I wonder if Deathloop would have been better uh, if it had had a central villain, if it had had one of the mm. visionaries who secretly knows what's going on and who keeps planting this in this idea to kill Colt and Juliana's head. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it would have been better with a central villain figure because you don't really have one you you are the villain mm -hmm. is the loop and it's this ambiguous vague idea that you're you're not even as the player sure that you dislike all that much so i i don't know i'm just spitballing yeah. here but that's certainly no i, like I think your analogy to age of ultron is a is a is an apt one for sure yeah i mean and i think you're right in order to fix that loop you just need to add james spader and it fixes <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> yeah i mean he could be the villain i'd love it <laughs> all right well i guess then the question is jared should this be in the hall of games i don't know i'm so conflicted i really don't <laughs> I, I just genuinely genuinely there is nothing wrong with the premise of this game i i also want to mention i don't care for the ui it's a little clunky um it's a little funky to navigate menus and like load your setup and like I, it was just a little odd um and very distracting not a very well put together menu but um info overload quite a bit too yeah yeah um 
but I really have no the plot and the story and the characters. Uh, well, the dialogue specifically and and the the characters. You you found them generic. I found them generic, but but fairly interesting. And the the back play to the 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 correspondence between characters and some of the digging you can do and the old life and the misdirection. Like on paper, this looks like it should have been, you know, contender for all the awards on paper. But right. in practice, right. something comes up short. Have you ever met someone who's mm-hmm. perfect but boring? Uh, yes. It's kind of a rhetorical question, but kind of a real question. I've met some people that they're so perfect. They have their life together, but it's almost like they have flaws in all the wrong places. And I think that mm. this game suffers from that. And I I don't... I think it. it's one of those games where it it was so good on paper and yet it failed to to entertain me enough that that's why it shouldn't go into the hall of games there's actually nothing wrong with it it's just that it it kind of bored me a little bit and um as terrible as that sounds that's that's kind of where i would fall it's like 51 to 56 percent of me says it's a little too boring for the hall of games if i put this game up against any other game in the hall of games in a reaping this one would lose you know Mm. Um, and so it, if we were to put it in, it would be at the bottom tier for me at least. Um, so, you know, that I, I don't, it, but other than that, if a developer of this game were to happen to listen to this conversation, I would be ashamed of any of the criticisms I made because I don't know what I'm talking about. But at the same time, there's just something missing. And I say that with love, um, to try again with a similar idea, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think well said, well said, uh, death loop is like, there's no other game like it. Like if it right. were in the hall of games, right. there wouldn't be anything that was, that was like it, you know, like we, we couldn't think of something, Oh, this is similar. It's doing similar things. So we can put this one in instead. Like I, I just didn't, I don't think you could find that now. This is still arcane. So like it has a ton of arcane DNA in it. Yeah. You've got the stealth, you've got the intense enemies, the AI, uh, You've got the cool abilities, like all that's still there, but something is missing from the center. And what that is, I don't know. And shout out, by the way, I, I didn't make this honorable mention, but their next game, Arcane's next game, Redfall, is coming out this year, Xbox exclusive. That might be their shining star. Yeah. Like that might yeah. be the next thing. And that, that might blow out Deathloop out of the water, and we'll forget about Deathloop when Redfall comes out. Or it might be more of the same where they, they went for something new and this crazy concept, but on paper it works. When it comes down to it, it doesn't quite stick together. And I think because of that, I agree. I don't think Deathloop should be in the Hall of Games. Um, the fact that we have as much doubt as we do is reason enough for me. Yeah. Um, and the answer that you gave is the one that I would give, which is, I don't know. I don't know if it should be. Like, is this the most brilliant thing in the world I've ever played? <laughs> maybe but i missed it if it was yeah, you know like I, yeah. something there didn't translate yeah to me yeah it, right? it's so it's, many people are telling me it was yes it's too brilliant for my simple mind to comprehend like that's the the best compliment <laughs> i can give it yeah but then at the same time it could also be you know the 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 buffoon masquerading as the professor you know sure, sure. and who's making it seem like there's more there i was just watching a community episode i love community um where it's i think it's in season two where jeff i don't know have you ever seen community no huge huge suggestion I th- it's such a great show um 
but the main guy Jeff like says that he's a part of uh, it's like intro to conspiracies or something like that, and he has it on his it's it's all about community college, so like he has it on his um, credits list, and the dean comes up to him and is like, hey, this isn't a real class, and he he's like, yes, it is, it's intro to conspiracy theory, like I'll, I'll even show you where we meet, and he like goes down, he opens up this closet, and there's like there's no there's no classroom in there, it's like a janitor's closet. And the dean's, like, looking at him, like, really, you're going to keep lying to me? Like, there is no intro to conspiracy theory. And then, all of a sudden, his professor, whose name is Professor Professorson, shows up. And he's like, I'm Professor Professorson. He has, like, this ID. And Jeff, the main character, is, like, blown away because he was making it up. He was, like, totally uh, yeah. making up the yeah. whole premise. And then this guy shows up out of the blue. He's never met him before. And so it's like this whole story. It, it's a fun one, actually. It's a, it's a fun episode. But uh, Professor Professorson, I guess to get to the crux of this, uh, he seems like this brilliant conspiracy guy. But at the end of the thing, it turns out he's just a random actor. And kind of, he's a buffoon, and someone paid him to go and do what he did. So uh, he was masquerading. You know, like, it looked good on the surface, but on the inside, you know, just like uh, Christ says, they're white sepulchers, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so get that biblical reference in there as well. Um, the bones of the dead or whatever the reference is there. But um, yeah, so that being said, I think Deathloop can be a pass. And honestly, Jared, we needed one. So... I'm glad yeah. we came to that conclusion. Not a malicious pass at all. Not at all. I mean, and I don't know at the end of this is is solid. <laughs> like, play it, you know? If you have any interest, I, I'd encourage you to go play it. Just know that there is, like, something there that isn't might not click for you, you know? Um, and that happened for a lot of people as well. All right. Well, that is it. Deathloop, a pass here for episode number 46. Next episode, we'll cover Inside. We'll probably be on the docket. I'll put Pokemon Legends on my playlist so that I'm playing through that as well, and we can do that one quickly here soon, especially now that I know that you finished it. Like That can be that can be another quick one. So a couple other things to look forward to. Be sure to tell a friend about the podcast. Drop us a five-star review. Check out our past episodes for more backlog, in-depth conversations just like this one. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you agree with our decision, and if you don't, Tell us why. Yes. You can reach out to us at askvgb at gmail.com. Deathloop, a very controversial title, so maybe you do disagree, and you have some perspective on what makes this game so special that we didn't quite reach. So let us know if that is the case. Until then, this is the Video Game Bard signing off. I hope that nobody on the face of the earth ever gets stuck in a death, uh, death loop in a time loop because that just sounds like the worst possible thing in the world. So there's that. I'll leave you with that thought. Thanks, guys.